What's up, everybody? Welcome back to I Came With Fire podcast. There's a familiar face with a little bit more hair on it. Hello. Look at that. It's Zach. <laughs> it's me. The one, Zach, the only... why don't you tell everybody where you've been, man? Uh, I've been watching a spawn that my wife made. It's also known as a baby. Um, mm. Yeah. Spawn. Yeah. Our uh, our daughter, Senna, From sperm was born, to spawn. <laughs> was born on uh, 22nd January. Um, mm. So we've kind of just been getting used to that, uh, figuring it out. It's been pretty nice. So far, I really enjoy being a father. And uh, I like the 12 weeks of leave the Air Force gave me. So it's not too bad. Yeah, that is pretty freaking dope, dude. When I had uh, my first daughter, I only got three weeks. Yeah, our uh, our yeah. chief was uh, his last name's also Smith too. Very very common. Uh, he was like, no uh, way. He was like he was like, yeah. Back when I had my first daughter, when I was like an airman, I only got like seven days. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, I was back in like ninety something. I was like, okay. Well, well you know, <laughs> dad, dads don't matter. Dads don't matter. So it's true. Don't need them. They don't That's facilitate right. or help in any way towards the growth of. Uh, children not that's even. right in no way shape or form dude nope fuck them yeah that's why i'm here <laughs> that's right well uh ladies and gents listening in um we have a return guest tonight we've got sino talk uh otherwise known as joaquin we'll call him joaquin and um but we had him on last time to talk china stuff because he knows a lot about it and we like listening so uh, Sino, you want to do a quick little intro to remind everybody about you again and new listeners who you are? Let's uh, let everybody know. Yeah, so my name is Joaquin, aka Sinotalk, the person behind Sinotalk. So mm-hmm. I am a independent journalist slash analyst for that specializes in the Indo-Pacific, but also China specifically. Mm-hmm. And I currently run the Indo-Pacific desk for Atlas News. So that was a recent development. So That's awesome, man. How did you uh, wind up doing that? Man, it was kind of interesting because whenever I did it, it was me and the head of Atlas began talking because I mentioned I began uh, talking on his post or commenting on some of his posts about China or North Korea. Mm -hmm. And um, turns out that he was a big fan of the work I do. And, you know, I was looking to move away from my sub stack and go to uh, go to a website. Um, Because obviously my work is not loved by Instagram under any circumstances. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's it's one of those things. It's even getting worse, (laughs) dude. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I'm kind of glad that I've made the switch when I did because I know if I would have do it, if I would have continued on my original route, it would have been just horrendous. The um, mm-hmm. yeah, it would have been so bad. <laughs> it would have not been yeah. good. Nah, man. Oh man, didn't they just they just changed their um, policy too to where they said they are not going to push political stuff anymore, which is you know totally makes sense for the the election year and they just don't want to hear certain people say certain things but that's pretty wild because there's a ton of political shit on uh, on instagram so kind of fucking over think, a lot of people i think there is the reason why they actually did this for legal stuff because like it's like all of meta said they're gonna do it's not mm-hmm. just instagram yeah, yeah, uh, yeah 
and I'm I'm pretty sure they're doing that because they don't want to be seen as a news agency, as like someone who actually reports news, even though like they're not. It's just people posting stuff. Because if they uh-huh. actually report news, then they fall under like different laws, and they don't want that from the United States. They want to stay like a private entity that can't be controlled. And if they start reporting news, then they have to like meet certain criteria and a whole bunch of other stuff. And I think they're just trying to avoid that entirely. So, well, just- then maybe instead of censoring for the most part people that have political commentary, they should start taking down. You know, things from Politico and CNN and MSNBC and Fox News and all the actual, you know, mainstream media syndicates, too, if they really want to prove that that's what they're going after. But it really seems to just be the little man out there doing his thing. And um, so they can say all what they want, their legal jargon. But 110 percent, I know that they're trying to keep shit as as low as possible for what's coming up. So they can say whatever they want. I don't agree with what they're doing, but I understand why they're doing it. They're. They're a big corporation yeah. trying to circumvent laws and pinch pennies. So, well, then they need to do it to the big guy too. That's for sure. Yeah, so they make their most pennies. Sounds sounds like uh, <laughs> sounds like some fucking bullshit to me. But anywho, uh, we're here to talk about China, not Mark Zuckerberg, who <laughs> is also interested in China, but for different reasons. Isn't his wife um, like Chinese or something? Well, yeah, that and, you know, he did let the fucking uh, CCP run a bunch of cables under the water and connect them to fucking uh, San Francisco so for a long time. So pretty much on topic. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying, dude. You talk, you can't talk about Zuck without talking about China. So, um, but yeah, they kind of go hand in hand. But um, the first thing, man, I really wanted to talk about is, uh, <laughs> let's get all serious now, you know, is um, this fucking $95 billion aid package. and um. First off, it's crazy the fear mongering that's come out afterwards. You know, with Russian space nukes and sharks with laser beams on their foreheads. Um, but uh, the Taiwan and Indo Pacific um, eight billion that's going there. What what are they hoping to bolster that isn't you know just the bottom line narrative they put out there for for the official use? I think for them is that they're trying to make sure that Taiwan actually has the stuff that it needs to defend itself. So it's uh-huh. it's a long line of this is just the most recent and a long line of deals that they made or at least yeah of the past for them to uh, provide for them to provide um, Taiwan with missile systems, weapon systems, ammunition, munitions, things such as that. Uh-huh. Um, okay. I think one of the big ones was that they were able to get like fifty JSAL, which doesn't really sound like much, but when you think about what they can do, like what actually is that? aim and uh, JSL is a long range, is a joint uh, standoff, joint standoff weapon. So think about mm-hmm. it: it's, it's a it's an air launch cruise missile. You can launch it. Okay. I want to say it's like two one hundred to two hundred mile range, I believe, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, or at least one of the or at least some of the variants that there are that's floating out there. It's pun pun intended. Um, <laughs> is it like um, an interceptor or like what is it? Was it go to? No, it's no, it's it's a it's a legit uh, PG, uh, precision guided munition. So it's okay. like you launch it, it will go strike a target, and it blows and it destroys the target. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. So okay. think of it as like the scalp in 
that the Ukrainians use or the storm shadow, mm-hmm. same thing, or, but not gotcha. with the J cells, uh, less range. And so mm-hmm. they gave them 50, 50 of those in which they able, uh, Taiwan's able to strike either, you know, shipping that China may use or at mm-hmm. the very least go in and conduct essentially suicide missions against key roadways and um, railways to knock out um, those uh, those MSRs that China would be like using. Down in. Knock down like yeah. bridges, roads, that type of stuff. Occupying Taiwan. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So what is uh, the average Taiwanese person's evaluation of all of this? The deal or the fact that Taiwan or China may be invading Taiwan. Well, well pretty much the U.S. like beefing them up and giving them an even bigger arsenal to help keep out China. Well, it depends like who you ask, because there's some Chinese, uh, some Taiwanese who view it as as a good thing, but then others just view it as, oh, well, they're just doing that just in case if they don't, if they're not able to, you know, support us because they may not, they may not do it. We, mm-hmm. we may not come to their aid during a China invasion or China conflict. Yeah. And so you see them, you see those two narratives, but then also underlying it is the fact that they know sooner or later China will possibly invade. Mm-hmm. They understand that, you know, with they understand that with China, it's not if they would invade, it's more of like a when or a mm-hmm. when or a if with caveats. Right. So because because Taiwan knows that if they were to invade, it would cause there's a lot of issues that could cause the entire invasion to go to to literally fail, even in its first stages. And that would endanger Xi Jinping's hold on power and biases and CCPs. So for Taiwan, so for the Taiwanese, they understand that they haven't, it may not occur, but then also never say never. But so does that make sense? Yeah. There's two things you said there that I kind of want to touch on. The first one you said is that like maybe the U.S. wouldn't come to their aid. Is that like yeah. an actual possibility? Is that something you think is the U.S. just if like let's say tomorrow morning China just full sent it. Is there a possibility the U.S. just says, eh, we gave you aid. Good luck. Like we don't do anything kinetic on our end. We just say good luck and look the other way. I think regarding that, it would depend largely upon the political climate and who's in charge. So would Joe Biden, if he wins, or anyone else within the Democratic Party that runs, that may succeed him or could succeed him, you will see, I could see them actually um, coming to their aid, coming to Taiwan's aid in some, in some fashion. Now, on the flip side, with the Republicans clearly pointing towards Trump, that kind of makes makes people wonder. Yeah. Mm. If he will go on if he would if he would uh let the United States intervene. Or would he or would he order the United States to intervene? 
And the reason why is because some of his comments that he made kind of hint at that he may not. And there are some other ones that kind of point that, you know, it just depends upon what's on the ground or those conditions. But um, either way, it would really depend upon political climate within the United States or what administration my, is currently I in guess, power. I guess my concern with that is like America's word. Like uh-huh. that's exactly. my biggest concern here is I, I I could be wrong and you can correct me if either of you know, but I don't think we have anything like written like official doctrine that says that we will like defend Taiwan. I, I know a lot of like political leaders have said we will, but I don't think there's like any like tree or like anything that says like yes that we will. Is there anything legally saying we will? There's the Taiwan Relations Act that says we will give Taiwan the necessary aid that would Okay, so it's like vague. It's just like yeah, it's very... I guess well, what would we equal? Because I know that in our agreements like with Japan, if Japan takes any kinetic attack we are supposed to defend them wholeheartedly because like we are their military and i know japan has agreements with taiwan to where they will come to their aid if they get invaded so i'm wondering if it is it like a domino thing because if taiwan gets invaded japan goes hey we're gonna help you out and then a japanese fighter gets shot out of the sky or something by china then like japan goes powder keg all over again yeah and then japan goes hey they just they kinetic us Come kinetic with us. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kinetic I don't think katana. it would. <laughs> so many kinetic actions. So, so little time. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Make decisions now. No, I don't think <laughs> right, we need a decision now. The nukes are already in the air. What nukes? Oh, shit. <laughs> just just I meant accept nuke, it. I meant nuke the leftover food. We just threw Fukushima plant at them. We don't have nukes. We just threw the Fukushima plant at them. <laughs> Their Chinese are definitely afraid right. of that already. So, <laughs> Right. But no, I think with Japan, you have to they look in the context Godzilla. of... <laughs> right? They just unleashed Godzilla on China. And, or Taiwan. But, but whatever. Or Taiwan. <laughs> well, I mean... It's Either or, I guess, because like yeah. if you you can't have an island if it's to- totally destroyed, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> burn, burn the ultimate burner, uh, scorch earth or policy. Yeah. Uh, but I think with Japan, you have to understand is they have they base they base their defense policy on pacifism. Yeah. Meaning that they won't intervene. Now, of course, is that total no matter of fact we've seen um we've seen a change especially under abai and now kishida mm-hmm. pivot towards saying we might want to go ahead and get start and get ready for the eventuality for china to do something yeah they're becoming offensive now, again or yes starting they're to relearning the old way potentially offensive again they're not doing offensive acts but they're proactive they're getting, at least yeah yes and that's that's one of the things that people should understand is that it won't Japan won't really intervene on the side of Taiwan unless they have a compelling reason to do that. And if they if it re, and, and if they can argue that it reaches the if it fulfills the narrowly defined 
uh, criteria criteria under Article Nine. You got to remember, Article Nine is there. It is enacted in a constitution that says, "Hey, we swore off all forms of warfare, offensive warfare. Mm-hmm. We will not do it." Originally, we want to let the United States go in and fight our wars for us. But then the United States realized that maybe we should let them rearm to an extent. Mm-hmm. And that's how the uh, self-defense force was born. And so now you see them actually evolving again to where it's almost like they're having a quasi. It's, it's almost like they're having a military in, na- in all but name in all but name now. So essentially, if they ever wanted to, they could go ahead and uh, vote on renaming the Japanese uh, Maritime Self-Defense Force to the Japanese Navy or Japanese Air Force and Japanese Army. As long as they bring that cool Navy flag back. They still use that Navy flag, actually. Yeah. Oh, do they? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's Mm -hmm. one of the most badass battle flags ever, dude. It's the only, like, uh, uh... like historical military remnant of like the the uh empire of japan like still such a in, cool like, flag their, dude in their government or whatever hmm. actually it's, it, it's not it's not oh, oh it's, it's not. like no it's no, like the it's, main one it's um zach let's the, the professional tell us about sorry. it sorry sorry sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no no you're fine um i was just reminded of this ironically enough today when i was on twitter that wonderful mm. social media app and someone pointed out that it still it still boggles my mind that the uh, Ministry of Defense, or I, I believe the Navy, the Naval build, uh, the uh, the Maritime Self Defense uh, Building has a mm-hmm. legit full on portrait of Tojo, Hell and yeah. where people would take pictures in front of. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't think no one's going to be liking that. And it was ironically enough when the Jap, uh, when the Filipino. Uh, Navy chief of staff was visiting. He was there just recently, and you'll see him like. And then you know the tweet was he like, like "Yeah, it's, it's still, <laughs> <laughs> it still boggles my mind." <laughs> I don't even know if it's still up, so it could probably be taken down by now. So, what was it? Where was it at? It was at the Japanese Maritime Self Defense Building or the or the Defense Ministry. I, I forget which one. But you have mm. to understand Tojo, Togo, to, Togo or Tojo mm-hmm. um, was a admiral or a high level Navy officer. Mm-hmm. Actually, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't pop up with like, a, there's a, uh, there's one photo. It's a painting, but it, it kind of looks like it, the painting it does, it like depicts the U.S. sailors. As well, so probably not the same one. They're not gonna. Probably they're not gonna so. let you find it, Brandon. Yeah, it's, probably it's, not. Damn it's Google. A top level. Uh, the the Japanese Empire still exists. It's just like a shadow state. It's like hidden. So. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> no, forgive me. He was a. Uh, <laughs> I apologize. He was an army. He was an army. I, I apologize. That's on me. Okay. Got you. So it probably was the Ministry of Defense, but he was. But it, he, the Maritime Self Defense Force, was meeting with his Philippine naval counterpart. So I apologize. Mm. Yeah, no it's worries. It's been a long day. <laughs> You're good, brother. So you feel like Trump is more of a Monroe Doctrine absolutist? Then I don't. 
think he's so much as a Monroe doctrinist, more so than like a pragmatist who understands that we only conduct operations when we need to. Mm-hmm. And then also a serving of, if it's strokes his self-interest or ego, if you will. Sure. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's, there's that. Um, and so what I mean by that is, you know, going back to his comments about Taiwan is always about mm-hmm. the context of where they took our semiconductor industry away. They've, mm-hmm. you know, they've, you know, they have that, you know, what's the whole point of defending Taiwan when we don't get nothing out of it or, you know, on yeah, the flip side going to the Atlantic. Go isn't ahead. there mm-hmm. like a, isn't there like a, it's like a U.S. policy. It's like one of the ways to like prevent China from like getting the semiconductors is that the U.S. Will just bl- yeah, they'll blow it all up and then bounce. Like it's like a, it's like a you can't have I, it, no one can, or like if we can't have it, no one can type thing. I don't think it's a policy more so than like strategic planning on their on mm-hmm. our end because yeah, yeah. that's what I meant by policy. I didn't when mean it, like sort of policy. It's like a it's like a it's one of the war game ideas if China invades Taiwan. It's like if we don't mm-hmm. think we could. Confront them or defeat them at that time, or or prevent them to actually get there. Then we'll just blow them all up, and then we'll we'll retrograde because the U.S. military never retreats; they always retrograde. We'll retrograde, and then we'll regroup and come back later or something. Mm-hmm. No, I I you do I, you do make a good point, Zach, because the China uh, the Taiwanese actually made up a made a fit whenever you know the idea. Of yeah, because I remember when they floated. came out, Taiwan was like, what? <laughs> so you're not helping us? I was yeah. like, oh, no, we'll be back later. Just hold hold out for a couple weeks. We'll be back later. <laughs> well, it, <laughs> well, it was more, it wasn't the context of them holding out. It was more the context of what do we do to prevent China from getting hold of semiconductors? Yeah. And so it's going to be that context. Well, they're building their own capability now as well, aren't they? Knowing full well that it could come to that. Uh, regarding China or the United States or Taiwan? Well, well both. I, I know that the United States <laughs> is discussing do, doing that too and bringing some of that home. Um, but the Chinese is who I'm, who I'm talking about. So they rely so heavily on TSMC. Well, I think regarding that is that – well, I think regarding that – um, China would rather not be beholden to TSSM or any other foreign company that's at the mercy of China or at the mercy mm-hmm. of the United States because mm-hmm. they understand that as pointed as, you know, the semiconductor extra control show, mm-hmm. it may not be in their best interest strategically. Mm-hmm. And so... Now you see them actually trying to build up their industry, build up their uh, semiconductor industry, Mm -hmm. which uh, personally, I don't think a lot of the stuff that they talk about, like the wins that they have are propaganda. I'm going to be real honest Mm -hmm. with you. They, uh, it's been proven that they're, latest i forgot what it, what it was huawei laptop or one of the chinese laptops that 
mm-hmm. made a point to say, oh, yeah, it was made, it, was, it has a Chinese produced um, microchips in it that, you know, mm-hmm. made it made it extremely fast comparable to, comparable to the stuff that we have in the West. Mm-hmm. When people actually built, uh, looked into it, that wasn't so much the case as a SMIC produced chip, but a rebranded TSSCM chip. Mm, and we actually okay. have seen them. If we actually have seen Chinese companies go out and buy literally any advanced chip that they could get their hands on, regardless mm-hmm. if it has any application towards um, AI or quantum computing, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Because, for, for example, China's actually been trying to buy up a lot of the advanced gaming gaming chips. That that came out uh, about two to three months ago or a month ago, right? And, and so, so they can reverse engineer, right? It's not so much reverse engineer, more so just use them, just be okay. able to modify them for use. Because okay. realistically, they don't really have the capability to manufacture chips; those comparable chips on scale. Can yeah. they produce them? Yes, but it's one thing to be able to make you know, a dozen or like uh, a wafer. I don't know if you, if you're familiar with like a wafer. Um, It's if you can, if uh, whereas, you know, it's, it's one thing to do that. It's an entirely different thing to be able to make semi truck loads of them, semi truck uh, trailer trucks of them. Like we can do. Yeah. Right. I'm just now envisioning in my mind, like a like an ICBM missile brought to you by Ryzen or brought to you by AMD. Oh my god, dude! Yeah, Intel Core <laughs> i7. <laughs> Verizon nuking the competition. Literally, yeah, right. They, they wouldn't probably do it, but I know that like like the US or something. Because I, I know we do it now with like Russian missiles. There's actually uh, Johnny Harris. I don't know if you watch him on YouTube or anything, but he did a thing where. Um, Russia is still somehow able to make like a ton of smart missiles and smart bombs. And, um, but they have a bunch of, um, uh, what is it? Sanctions on them where they're not supposed to be able to get the stuff. But what they do is they have like these fake companies in like Poland or Mm -hmm. other countries. And then they buy through there and people, you know, Ukraine is sharing the information with like the United States. And they look at some of these bombs and they're like, this is a Jerry rig. And it's kind of like that. It's like, it's got all these different parts from like, this is from like a microwave. This is from like a computer. This is from like a T94 calculator. This is, and they put it all together and together it allows this missile to work like a smart missile. And they're like, this is so freaking weird. But I just imagine like a Chinese missile or whatever, looking at it and it's got like a, you know, TI PS5 logo on it. Yeah, it's got a PS5 logo inside. It's got like a, it's got, it's got a Tesla symbol somewhere else. Got... <laughs> the, the funny thing about that is, like, since you brought up the Russian ask, uh, uh, the Russians sanctioned and they're being yeah, still, get, still getting um, stuff. Yeah, um, Taiwan actually came out and said, yeah, they be there's using fun companies to get access to these um, chips. Yeah, I assume China is certain... the same thing. Yeah, yeah, China, China actually is doing a lot of that stuff. Um, fun factoid: I've actually, I may actually be connected to some of that stuff. Um, be able to, you know, locate them. Oh, it's kind of cool. 
like the yeah, like the, the fake companies or like you can track a chip gets sold from like the US to like some Poland enterprise and then it just disappears or what are you talking about? Um let's just say I'm able to let's just say I'm able to go in and dig around and find information about certain companies owned by certain individuals in a certain Asian company mm. or Asian country mm-hmm. that you could point to say you're doing this <laughs> because you had to remember is that this country, which is this country has a long lot, has a long history of doing it in which if you look on, if you go on to justice.gov, you can quite easily find the, press releases and figure who I, uh, who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But, and this is what I always point out to people who, you know, when they ask me, so we know that these companies use, uh, we know these companies, you know, they use these front companies. Right. To get around sanctions, to be able to get access to certain stuff that they shouldn't otherwise be able to do. What makes them, what incentivizes them to actually do the same, to extend that to semiconductors? And this is like mm-hmm. I tell these people, and like, this is like I tell them, there's a the fact that the export controls themselves incentivizes China to do it. Mm-hmm. That yeah. they need to. Where there's to, a will, there's a way. Yeah, exactly. And with that country there is a really big will and they understand the ways yeah you would not be surprised exactly well it's more like nationalism based but Mm -hmm. it's still a will Mm -hmm. and they have the ability to using previous method methods to get what they want now we made it harder for them to do so. Uh-huh. How so? But well, the export controls they we pretty much made it to made it made it a point to where any Western company that uh, continues to do business with China Chinese uh, front com- uh, Chinese companies, you will get heavily sanctioned by the United States, and so that's mm-hmm. the reason why you see um, Nvidia, uh, mm-hmm. Samsung. Um, mm-hmm. Dell, IBM, they pretty much they essentially said, "Nope, we're not even dealing with this. We'll just going to wash our hands of the Chinese yeah. market, even though it's going to hurt us. But the fines that we will be levied towards us will hurt us more." So, I do know in the so last six months, the U.S. State Department was uh, has they they created their own like office that's supposed to figure out. This is for Russia specifically. They're supposed to figure out who these front companies are and they're supposed to skip a whole bunch of like, you know, uh, bureaucratic red tape or whatever to just like make it way quicker. But in the video I watched from Johnny Harris, it talked about like, yeah, it's quicker, but it still takes too long. And by the time you've annihilated that company, there's another one already running up and running under the same name. It could even be the same company name with like an extra T in it. 
and it'll mm. still take the State Department like another. They they have yeah. to do it this, a new process for every new one. You can't just like blanket one name. You can't just blanket one thing. It's like because the international thing. It's like really the video he goes into way better detail than I'm explaining it, but it takes a long time to prove credibility and a whole bunch of other stuff. And they use like generic names like Zach Smith. And it's like, okay, like good luck just banning every Zach Smith. Like that's not going to work. So like they, they're not idiots, but it's like we've said before that the Chinese are really, really good at using everybody's bureaucratic bullshit against them. Yeah, it's how China buys land too. in the U.S. They're just like, mm-hmm. yeah. hey, we're going to buy this. And by the time we even know what's happening, you're like, wait, you have how many acres right next to our nuclear base? That's really weird. Exactly. Yeah. It, how, it, how much people... Huawei shit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just saying, yeah, no, how much Huawei shit have you put in cell towers and run up the I-50 corridor between all of our nuclear installations? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. a lot of people, you know, they make a big stink about, oh, well, you know, China bought, you know, land and, and, you know, and, you know, they bought so much, you know, so much land here in the United States, mm-hmm. you know, and then the commentators or, the, you know, the people, you know, their kind of argument, well, it's just a small type of land. It's just a small amount of land. Like, it's not like they're, you know, not, not like the Iranians. It's not like, um, I forgot the other group that was like bought a lot of land. Um, but going back to what Zach said and what you said, Brandon is the fact that mm-hmm. locations, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they may not buy a lot of land. Yeah. But it's a very specific you just spots. Don't where it's at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's one of those things in which Dave and you, and you point and you both kind of, and you both hit it, hit it on it that, you know, they use bureaucratic, um, our bureaucratic system against us. Not only mm-hmm. that, but they understand that, Politically, this would be a hot button issue. And whenever you do hot button issues like this, when they become hot button issues like this, people usually become sensational. Uh, people usually sensationalize it. And mm-hmm. that's what they hope to do to drown out the truth. Mm-hmm. Well, they're using now, it, they're using our immigration process against us right now. They oh, sent yeah. they sent like tens of thousands of Chinese people just right across the border. They immediately like burn or destroy their passports. Um, and then they well, and then they say, "I need asylum from from China or um, or whatever." And the process for the U.S. because we've we've had a border patrol guy on. He says, "Hey, if it if it looks reasonable and they're not like active criminals, then we give them a phone. We we give them a court date that's like months to years out, and then they're just allowed mm-hmm. to be in the U.S. And it's like mm-hmm. the Chinese know this. And I'm not saying every Chinese person." illegally crossing the border is a Chinese spy, but there's at least one. Like I promise oh, yeah. there's at least one. And there's probably more. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say there's at least one. There's probably more than one, but I can promise to all the listeners and viewers, there's at least one Chinese spy went across that border. So it, and they're just using the process. It just what I'm getting at is they use our own process against us because we're America. We're nice. We're humane. We care about all this stuff. They use our nicety against us all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, regarding the you know the massive surge, um, you have to look at at this is the fact that the reason why you see 
entire families move, make the Darien Gap trip from Ecuador and Colombia mm-hmm. through there and, and to Mexico. It's because realistically, that's all they have. They're um, they're fleeing essentially they're fleeing Mexico. Uh, they're fleeing China mm-hmm. because these people are. I wouldn't call them outright economic refugees. Mm-mm. I would say that they've ran out of hope regarding the Chinese economy and the way everything is going in China. So you think a hefty portion are people actually just seeking a better life because they know yeah. that the Chinese. Okay. I could see yeah. that too. And, 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 and I think Zach I, is kind of hitting yeah, on that. But. I agree with that. But China, the Chinese government is definitely using the Taking large advantage. influx, and there's well, definitely plus, people coming through that aren't friendly. Plus, the sale of yeah. the things you need to make fentanyl. So, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I, I think regarding that, I mean, yes, they would, but they also know that we will investigate the United States government, or at least the customs or immigration authorities. A lot of people are surprised by how thorough the investigations are regarding Chinese citizens who want to become an actual U.S. citizen. Mm-hmm. They get investigated. It's mm-hmm. almost like going through. It's almost like getting a top secret clearance or, or TSSCI. Mm-hmm. And if you say that you're a Communist Party member, that's ne- that's not necessarily a a uh, disqualifying factor, but is ironically enough a really big red flash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did. I did um, have an applicant. He was a Chinese American. His uh, his mom was American. His dad was Chinese, and he was uh, mm-hmm. trying to win the Air Force. Uh, he eventually did, but it did take a year because the jobs he wanted were top secret, and they were like, mm-hmm. "But you're Chinese," and so they were like really looking into Valid. his stuff. Um, and they combed through everything and uh, they found family members in like extended family members in China that he didn't even know about. They're like his family mm-hmm. didn't know about. And they were like, who are these people? Have you ever talked to them? And they super went into it. He didn't get his top secret security clearance because apparently one of those family members was like a communist party member and was like Good. high enough in the like government. I don't know how high, but apparently they were Good. fairly high. So he, he still joined the Air Force. Uh, he serves honorably and everything to this day. I still talk with him, but uh, he didn't get a top secret and he didn't get his intel job that he wanted. But yeah, it is pretty Good. extensive. They they comb through a lot. Mm-hmm. And another red flag, I would say this is I would say is that you know the PLA, if they were a member of the PLA. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, it's a largely conscripted quote unquote system, so. They under you know the United States government. They understand that you had to do your time, mm-hmm. but right. they're still going to look at you. So yeah, yeah. There's also that okay. aspect. I think one of the things in listening, to you guys kind of talk back and forth about this that disturbs me the most is just how bureaucratic of a giant the United States is, and how slowly moving everything is. Oh yeah, the United States projects power very slowly anyway, and just. How slow you know, bureaucratic, bureaucratic nonsense makes it is yet to be seen, especially nowadays, mobilizing against a peer enemy. But I fear genuinely that there will be too much 
And the giant that we could be without it will not be able to stand up before we even get a chance to to fight, you know. And um, it's a it's a pretty scary thought to know just how slow the United States is getting anything done. And, it, you know, almost it's just like we're in a fucking we're a paralyzed state sometimes when, when it comes to the bureaucracy. It's like fighting with a hand on a wreck. Both of them, <laughs> honestly, man. Yeah, we're headbutting people. <laughs> yeah, right. It's one of those things in which, you know, I always quote this one individual, this one professor, and a classmate, uh, when a classmate of mine, back when I was uh, in college, what if he asked the same question? Like, why does it take the United States government or any government at any level months to do something? And, you know, the professor paused because... Looking back, he's he understood his answer was going to boggle the minds. But the length of time it takes actually means the system is working. Mm-hmm. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it's because yeah. No, it, well, that, every... the bureaucracy yeah. the bureaucracy slows things up too that shouldn't pass. You know, and allows for the review process of things that deserve deserve it. It's just unfortunate that it happens when things are really needed too. Um, and I think the United States in this scenario, every time we talk about this, the United States is certainly playing defense for the most part, and um, just you know, developing ways to to combat the Chinese because they're very much dictating the battle space in a lot of different ways. The United States had to adjust to, but. Um, If China decides to invade Taiwan, obviously they're not going to let a bunch of bureaucratic crap get in the way because it will have been planned out for a long time and execute, you know, just all that that they need to do to what they think they need to do to take over Taiwan. Um, But how much how much do you see that the United States really would go on the offense to prevent that, if if any, other than just giving Taiwan massive amounts of money and, you know, missile defense systems and ammo and. I think we'll be extremely hand-tied, considering mm-hmm. that we don't want to be looked at, looked at, or seen as the aggressor. We would, the president, the uh, Secretary of Defense and State, and the National Security Council would likely impose severe right and left criteria. To say under these specific circumstances, if you don't, if these don't hit the very specific wickets, mm-hmm. you cannot conduct an attack against Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean no attacks? No, I mean, you know, special forces exist for us. Reason. Yeah. I was going to say that, special forces always, exist for a special reason. Yeah. yeah, I've always thought that, like, if we actually were like war to war against China, we would never have conventional like troops on Chinese land, like ever. You'd have like special forces or like people going maybe in there to like destroy a like a key maybe thing. Maybe after it was over. Yeah, there there'd be there'd be like missiles going in there outcome. to destroy stuff. I don't think there would ever be like a like an amphibious assault of China or like a, anything like that. It would be uh Push him yeah, out of Marine, Taiwan. Marines in the beachhead. Yeah, it'd be push him yeah. out of Taiwan, hold Taiwan, keep naval stuff that China has out of the immediate area, clear the skies, 
but there would never actually, I don't think there would be even our aircraft flying into Chinese airspace. I guess missiles going in there, but I don't I think, think there would be. I think there would be, but maybe not from where you think there would be. You think from like the. You think people like forget the, China. People forget China has a Western, has a Western border. Yeah. Let's yeah, yeah, yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I think the U S would be pretty, or I'd hope, I would hope the U S wouldn't think, Let's go occupy China. Like that'd be so stupid. Because like yeah, any be. land you take, yeah. like there has to you be a strategic hold. reason. Then you have to hold. Yeah, you have to hold. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this conflict would lead to the US thinking, oh, we can topple the Chinese government and build our own, or oh, we can cause the revolution. Like I would hope we wouldn't do that. I would hope we would just smack them real hard, do a big old no eliminate a lot of their ability to retaliate effectively, at least on us. They could probably still retaliate like locally and then kind of be like, Hey, come to the negotiating table before we mess you up again or something. That's what I would hope we do. There'd be some serious and heavy U S involvement at, in China. If something like that went down where they tried some shit and they ended up losing effectively, I think that there would be some pretty heavy-handed U.S. influence sitting right there in, in Beijing, um, for sure. But um, um, yeah, go, go ahead, man. No, I want you. You look like you want to make a point, and then I have a question, kind of about this, but from a different angle. No, I mean, like, um, I was just going to touch upon what Zach said about like landing mm-hmm. on China, or what you mm-hmm. and Zach said. I don't think we'll be that stupid. I think that would be the best word. Best would describe that Fair. type of planning or does that, that type of operation? Yeah. We would do amphibious raids and those, you know, certain types of raids. And, you know, as soon as we get done just achieving those objectives and we will withdraw, mm-hmm. we wouldn't occupy because, you yeah. know, one, it would have, if more likely won't fit our strategic objectives. And then secondly, it's stupid to try to invade China. And try to hold yeah. the land or try to hold any territory. It's stupid because we you're on. We certainly have learned should have learned that over the past twenty years. That's for sure. That's true. It's one of those things in which we've, if we do try it, we would either end up losing those troops or, um, or China would just be reinvigorated if, if, if that makes sense mm-hmm. because you have foreign yeah. soldiers on Chinese soil and they can use the Japanese did with, with their, their c- civilians during World War II you know what I mean amping them up and to the, to the child fighting Americans you know coming ashore I mean Jesus we're still using the pur- we still issue the Purple Hearts today that uh, were made for the invasion of Okinawa like that's crazy that they mm-hmm. expected that many people to die. That you're handing out purple hearts today from that. That's incredible. Oh, it was gonna but, be wasn't it gonna be like millions? It was like some it was crazy a justification for dropping the sun twice on yeah. them, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. there was uh and yeah. I remember them saying that it was like it would have taken like years. Like it wouldn't have been like a easy, simple, like you're talking more, yeah, you know, like several more years of that war. Going who knows, on. bro? Yeah, who knows? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And even then, would they even would they even bow down? Yeah, exactly. But um, 
So what I was going to ask is essentially how much this this election for in Taiwan this year seemed to go well, but not as perfect as it could have been. Would you agree? Yeah, I I would agree. There's mm-hmm. William Lai. Uh, did as well as he could have been, could have done. Mm-hmm. Everyone, if you would have, if we would have thought that KMT would have won or the TDP would have won, then I, I'm sorry. Um, neither side was as popular as Lai, and then not only that, but both have baggage mm-hmm. regarding their campaign or their party's platform that kind of made it iffy and if they were going to actually be able to compete effectively with lying, which turns out was true. Mm-hmm. Now, regarding the legislative elections, that could have went better with the KMT mm-hmm. for the KMT, but Ma, former president Ma, essentially saying, we should really listen to she, that guy really has some great ideas. We should really listen to him. Totally. Like, right? And it's like, he said this I on the 9th, 8th or 9th, January 8th or 9th, and the election was held on January 13th, and everyone was, I, yeah, everyone was kind of um, surprised that he said that they allowed him to say that. Mm-hmm. Dave, it is pretty it was funny. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of funny. Someone said, like, you know, I kind of wish I could be uh, the KMT presidential candidates, um, uh, be uh, be a fly in, in his office. Because he must have been pissed. I'm sure. Because, oh, yeah. Even even with the DW only uh, releasing parts of the interview, the least inflammatory parts of the interview, or at least perceived as such, it kind of resulted in the KMT performing worse than expected. Mm-hmm. And so I was actually projected projecting the KMT to actually outright have a majority in the House. But they barely right. got enough seats to where... Um, <clears throat> To where they would just need the TDP to, you know, some of their some of their people to, you know, join and uh, uh, and uh, occupy the house. In what facets would that? Right. In what facets would that present the most difficulty for lie for having a, a, a minimum majority? I think for him, he would have to get a lot of. He would have to work with the KMT to get stuff passed. And that means he would have to water down a lot or at least try to compromise on a lot of the stuff that they've uh, that the DDP wants to pass, especially if it involves increasing relationships with the United States, especially the United States or you know foreign or foreign powers, and which that was something that the DDP wants to do. Mm-hmm. William Lai could be seen as a uh, prison size third term, if you will. Okay. Because, That's a good way to put that. Yeah. She's, he's just, he's going to essentially continue on with that, uh, continue on with her policies and 
whether it be whether the uh, the KMT likes it or not. Mm-hmm. But they could be an inhibiting factor. Right. How much do you feel the Chinese interfere in their elections? Because you would think it would be in the Chinese interest to have the political weight there in Taiwan to say, hey, look, this is what the people in Taiwan want, and then take over without firing a shot. Oh, they tried. They've, mm-hmm. we've, there's been actual evidence. The Taiwanese actually produced evidence that showed Chinese-linked people, uh, ch- uh, linked groups, but then also some uh, Chinese individuals, linked individuals, um, pay certain individuals to mm-hmm. promote false narratives. Not only that, but, you know, they found that a lot of the TikTok influencers on Taiwan, uh, on Taiwan actually spread pro-KMT messages in the, in the weeks mm-hmm. leading up to the campaign. And then finally, mm-hmm. you did have, you did see a massive increase in the Chinese government's efforts to get a lot of these low level neighborhood city officials to go on all expense paid trips to China, the Fujian mm-hmm. province. Mm. Oh, okay. And, you know, so, yeah, so there was, and even then I want to say William, uh, Wang Win Bin, the foreign, the foreign ministry spokesperson, the, the sad mm-hmm. duck, as I like to call him. Um, the sad duck. I love it. Yeah. I mean, he, he just looks like a sad duck. I don't, I don't know why, but he just looks he just looks like a sad duck to me. Um, Maybe that's the image I'll use. <laughs> just use a sad duck. Or, you yeah, know, right. like, what? yeah. <laughs> Perfect. No, it would be. <laughs> no, but uh, he, he came out and said, well, we hope, we hope the Taiwanese population elects, make the correct decision in electing in the upcoming elections. And I'm just thinking... Mm-hmm. This kind of illustrates the CCP's lack of understanding upon the any election. <laughs> like, That's kind of weird. You just can't. Yeah, you just and they, he said that a couple of weeks or the, the week of the election. Is that, that just like cultural he, differences between the Chinese and the Taiwanese that they don't really have an understanding? No, it's it's a CCP understanding. They just don't. Okay. They just don't care. They've. Right. Yeah, it's. it's it's nothing cultural. I mean, like that's one mm. of the things that um, it's one of the reasons why China hates Taiwan so much is because it actually counters their argument that the Chinese culture is incompatible with democracy and you know multi-party right. elections. Fair enough. Taiwan does it. Yeah. yeah. You brought up you brought up TikTok. Um, it kind of made me think. How how much do you think it it has, if any, sort of influence over Taiwanese youth who? would be voting like relatively soon with the pro Chinese stuff. Does it? Has a lot of influence. Um, is there yeah. No, I was gonna say does that influence calcul- uh translate into gains in the in in China mm-hmm. with China? Yeah, yeah. Maybe I don't know. Okay. It's one of those things in which you have to the only measurable effects would be whenever those kids come up with voting age. But even then Mm-hmm. They have other influences that counteract yeah. that. I was more wondering because, like, obviously, American politicians are very concerned with the 
with TikTok and the effect it has on American kids, especially when it comes to like pro-communist Chinese, you know, propaganda, Russian propaganda, whatever, stuff like that. And then just like the genuine dumbing down of American culture. But um, I was just wondering if, if Taiwanese politicians held some of the same sentiment that it's a, uh, you know, it degrades Taiwanese independence, essentially. It. They do, but an aspect of they understand that Taiwan or that China uses TikTok and Dillian, both versions exist on the island. Mm -hmm. They use this as part of their greater information or influence um, operations to gain influence. Mm. So they understand that for them, it's a practical influence. It's not not so much as dumbing down dumbing down the Taiwanese youth. It's more of trying to influence them to become more pro Chinese. Right. Yeah. Um, one of the things I wanted to, to jump into as well is uh, not that long ago, you put an article out about um, China's cyber threat. It was like how, how hackers could disrupt the United States in a war. Um, I was wondering if you could just run over some of the key elements in that and what is, um, I guess the United States should be most concerned about. And if the Chinese are like that far ahead of us as far as their cyber warfare abilities, because the United States definitely publicly expresses that they feel that way. Do you mean the one where the United States released a report along with the Five Eyes so, uh, Alliance yes. saying that? Okay, I just want to make sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was one of the things in which a lot of people were surprised about. But from my perspective, we're just finding about this now. I mean, it's, it's good that we that we found out that these groups tunneled their way into these various critical infrastructures now. Then what, what groups could you be? Could you elaborate a little bit more specifically? Like what groups and infrastructures uh, that they're tunneling into? So the main one that was. Inf uh, that was referenced extensively throughout the report was Vote Typhoon, in which mm -hmm. that one was a PLA, uh, I believe, a PLA connected group that conducted a lot of these, a lot of those attacks, uh, a lot of those operations to in, not only enter the uh, enter the infrastructure of you know when I when I say critical infrastructure, it's solar, uh, some solar. Mm -hmm. Some uh, utilities, electricity, mm -hmm. water treatment plants. I want to say they did try Think to so. do some. There was some nuclear. I want to say mm -hmm. there was some nuclear. Mm -hmm. um, water, telecommunications, communications, the transportation, the F or the specifically the airplane. I forgot what it's called. The the civilian side of the F the the radar, the radar network. Okay. Um, not not the, not NORAD, but mm -hmm. this event, what the, uh, the what the uh, FFA or air traffic controllers use to guide aircraft right. within U.S. airspace. So they use that. So they got into that. But not only that, but what was most concerning was the fact that. They stayed there for as long as they did. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of them were there for over five years, learning how to 
learning, adapting on how to best destroy these systems. Now, the United States said they got them all. Did they? We, we don't not, know. Honestly. I, I, I agree. And not only that, um, the reason why the it, it turned into a Five Eyes report is because it wasn't outright said in the report, but it was heavily hinted at that, you know, our Five Eyes allies may have also found similar traces mm-hmm. in their and 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 their critical infrastructure, right? Which doesn't surprise me at all because China, out of all the alliances that China hates, they hate the Five Eyes the most, right? Can you can you elaborate on the Five Eyes? I know it's you know United States MI six. Um, trying to think of some of the other ones that uh, the Canadian Special Service as well, isn't it? Some of the other ones, yeah. So the Five Eyes is a is an intel sharing agreement between the United us, United States, Canada, our top our northern hat, uh, our most right. sure ally, UK, um, our ally in the uh, in the south in the southern Pacific, Australia, and New Zealand. Right. Okay. Okay. And so it's involves that one. It's very extensive. I believe it's the first one ever created. Or the intel sharing of that magnitude ever created for the first one. Right. And so essentially what that does is that you have an intel sharing um, agreement covering almost the entire hemisphere. It does entire right. the the entire globe. And we and they do a lot of stuff together. We're very close. Most definitely. I know that um, uh, one of the things I, I read about that they're super concerned is that the United States still has agencies that are running like XP software, and which mm-hmm. is incredible when you think about it. Um, I mean, I fucking was living at home when I had Windows XP on my fucking computer, and I'm 37. Um, and, yeah, dude, but... How much of that do you think is be is just complete and total negligence on behalf of the United States versus Chinese craftsmanship? You know what I mean? I want to say fifty fifty. Really? Mm-hmm. Holy crap! We've yeah, we've and it's and I when I say negligence, it's just the fact that we don't want to upgrade our systems. Mm-hmm. We got to remember the f the uh, the uh, air. Traffic control network we use dates back from the 60s or 70s, I believe. And so we're using very antique dated um, software and systems right. on that. And China was able to literally go in and be, say, I'm home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have that. And then not only that, but then, you know, you have people who don't necessarily care about cybersecurity or at least place not as much of an emphasis that they should be doing. Mm -hmm. You have that aspect. And then you also have people who don't really, don't really much care. Yeah. It's just empathetic. They just don't care. No, I mean, I definitely have seen the, I don't care aspect. There's a lot of apathy when it comes to cybersecurity in general. 
um, which is which is mega unfortunate because as much as uh, I know that eventually, if if something ever were to happen, there would definitely be a kinetic piece. The cyber piece is going to be what's hap- what happens first. It'll just be a total fucking shutdown of of a lot of different things. But um, the a cyber lot of this stuff is scary. I don't think yeah. people realize like a cyber like if a simple cyber attack hits and you now can't use your credit or debit cards exactly like, like you you instantly are worrying if you have enough money to buy food like tomorrow you know what i mean like a lot of americans they don't have cash i don't have a cash like i hardly ever carry cash so like i'm gonna be one of those americans that if like i can't use a debit or a credit card for like a week like i'm screwed and there's a lot mm-hmm. of americans the same thing and that's so just a looks- it's just a simple cyber attack <laughs> that could very easily happen and just knock it all down. Like that's super scary. I will give you um the to, to further illustrate your what you say, Zach, um a lot of people forget this little wonderful Fourth of July movie called Die Hard uh, Die Free or Die Hard. Oh, I have not seen that one, bro. I gotta admit, maybe I just lost my man die card. Die free but, uh, or die hard. <laughs> live, for, live free or I, die hard. Oh, right? live free or die hard. Yeah, I actually. Oh, I this came out in oh seven. I haven't seen this one. Mm-hmm. I have not seen this one. You have to fill <laughs> me in, Joaquin. Yeah. So the whole premise of that one is a it's a the second to last movie in the Die Hard series starring Bruce Willis. And the whole thing about that is they did a, a major cyber attack on Fourth mm-hmm. of July to steal money. Okay. Matter of fact, to steal the uh, to steal uh, money, from, I believe money or stocks from the from the stock exchange when when the United uh, when it gets sent to a special location just in case this happens, like a backup, mm-hmm. it backs it up, right. And so during that time, you had a lot of chaos. Chaos ensued in the Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia area. Uh-huh. And also throughout the eastern, eastern, uh, eastern um, seaboard as well. Uh-huh. That happened on that, you know, it's, it's, it's a movie. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that Someone thought about that and uh-huh. did it, right? And were successful. Should be kind Predictive of a programming. concern. Exactly. Not only yeah. that, but um, John H. Cranes. Um, I don't know if you've seen his artwork on Instagram. He he illustrates. Going back to what Zach said, he illustrates what happens when people. He it, he illustrates how fragile it is. J. H. Crane, how fragile okay. our society is held up, our you know modern convenience infused society. It's because it's so fragile, isn't it? Like every. I remember, like, during, like, uh, the COVID, everyone's freaking out because, like, uh, are you going to get enough goods to certain places? Because, um, like, Uh isn't, like, every major city, like, only has, like, three days worth of, like, stockpile or whatever? And, like, if they don't get 
restocked within like 72 hours and there, there's just nothing like no food who knows if that's even no, accurate too you know i mean it yeah, was this? i i bet that's fairly close or fairly accurate i i bet it's like three days and like a city's brought to its knees if it doesn't get resupplied oh no i i agree with I, that i mean how accurate do you think it is that they actually maintain those supplies and don't just pencil whip that shit you know oh it's definitely like oh we have rice and beans back there too like that's yeah. what it is not like mm-hmm. for three days you can keep eating Taco Bell. Like that's the not Grandpappy's K rations back here. <laughs> yeah, because mm-hmm. you you know yeah. you know the second a big hack happens or whatever, there goes all the toilet paper again with all the baby formula. <laughs> there goes all the water. First, dude, yeah, dude, it's gonna be gone like instantly. Well, mm-hmm. Since we're on the fucking topic, I mean, Jesus, there's this whole thing going on right now about. Russian space nukes and the Koyuz 2 rocket that that went up not that long ago and they just convened um what is it called the uh almost almost said elite eight but it's not cut fucking college basketball the gang of eight and um to talk about it and it pushed out that national security you know threat and made a big deal about it for a few hours freaking everybody out but um worrying about sending you know this into space and using a russian hypersonic nuke to blow up in low earth orbit over the united states and creating an emp you know that's that would be you wouldn't even have to use a cyber attack and obviously like a nuclear attack is totally different than a fucking cyber attack but that would be everything i mean even your fucking grandpa's pacemaker is going out the fucking window and that's it you know yeah your car ain't starting Mm -hmm. nothing's working yeah no. Um, I, I found it's... something I was I was trying to find a time where it happened. There was uh, so in 2013, March of 2013, North Korea did a huge cyber attack against South Korea and it knocked out their entire banking system uh, for <laughs> three days. And a lot of people were freaking out. And South Korea, to remedy it, did like a mass like currency like release. So you could go to like the banks and it was like an IOU system. It was like, how much money do you think you have? And they how would chaotic give you. was that? It, it apparently like was Sorry. really bad for the economy for like years. It took like South Korea years to like rebound. Um, Jesus. But like it, it like messed a lot of stuff up. And, it, and they said that uh, South Korea government was just quick to like fix the issue. They, instead of like thinking mm-hmm. maybe it would be like, okay, they just immediately yeah. were like, Hey, get everyone cash like ASAP. And so they just they just gave everyone cash as quickly as possible, so they could people could still buy and do stuff. But that's wild because yeah, no, it's one of those things in which during that time, the reason why they did that is because one South Korea feared that of it obviously going to shit, you know, mm-hmm. massive unrest going 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 around. But then not only that, but the fear that China or the fear that North Korea would take advantage of that and just start doing yeah. stupid stuff. So you also have that to take into account. This is the reason why they did the Oprah approach. Yeah. You get ten thousand. You get one. You yeah. get ten thousand dollars. Right, right. Fix all that later. Do you how much do you think um this the obviously this this whole thing about the Russian space nuke thing, I, I feel like is something that we've probably known about for a while, just because I know there's a lot of different ways to detect nuclear signatures and the U S isn't bad at that. But how much do you think the Chinese want to have that sort of capability or if they already have it in space? 
I wouldn't be too surprised if they've thought about getting that capa- uh, similar capability. Mm-hmm. They probably thought of how bad it would be, not only for them, but mm-hmm. for, or not only for the United States, but for us, or for, mm-hmm. but for, the, for them as well. Mm-hmm. Because you have to understand is that the nuclear warhead in space, allegedly, is designed to destroy satellites. Mm-hmm. So they can, whenever they needed to, flip a switch, and yeah, they can knock out a ton there of satellites. All the satellites. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, but uh, not I'd only be, that, but I'd be willing to bet that that's no, what this is for. Not only, not only that, yeah. Let me, sh- let me but, share something. Yeah, it's that's what is it? This one? Yeah. Can I get up on screen? Yeah, I bet that's what this is for. The oh. X-37B. Why do you You're, think that, Zachary? Because this is a very, very <laughs> top secret, nice little thing. It goes up into space, low or high orbit or whatever, for years mm-hmm. at a time. It okay. apparently, like, a lot of people don't know jack anything about this. Um, and mm-hmm. there's a reason for that. The the running theories that I've recently seen and that I've heard about in like years past is that it's very maneuverable in space and it can like dock and connect to other satellites. Um, and it's very, very, very unique. Um, so how is it going to prevent a nuke though from blowing up? I'm willing to bet that the whole, is that not the point? I think the whole idea of this X 37 B is probably mm-hmm. just the U.S. testing its ability to connect to things in space relatively quickly, or having mm-hmm. stuff up there that can connect to stuff. And you were saying that you know the U.S. more likely probably can detect nuclear stuff up there. Oh, we can, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So all different I'm, kinds I'm, of. I'm willing to bet that the U.S. used this to test the ability, knowing that there might be a Russian space nuke. That mm-hmm. this thing. While it's up there, or another one that's up there, I don't even know how many of these they have. They think there's always one up in space that it could um, intercept, deactivate the nuke, maybe before it's it used, or maybe right. it's maybe in its own way, it's like a jammer, like you can't right. get the signal to the nuke because this mm-hmm. is too close to it. That's it, maybe I'm it fucks its here. guidance system off yeah. and shoots I it have, off to Mars. Yeah, or to the sun. Increase the sun's life by 0. Right. 0. 0. 0. 0. 0.0001 seconds. Elon Musk's dream yeah. come true because a nuke hits the fucking <laughs> surface of Mars and completely and totally restarts the greenhouse effect. And then now you can, yeah, something like that. But don't, yeah, this, uh, don't do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this, it, it will literally, we will, he will literally be like, I can re- finally recreate man in my own image. And I'm like, I know. No, yeah, he probably would. Please try. Implants. No. You already put yeah. a brain, a fucking chip in somebody's brain. So. Yeah, but something something I'll say real quick about the like I guess the Russian nuke in space. I think it's funny they were freaking out about a potential Russian nuke in space. I mean, yeah, yeah, of course they would do that. Like that makes sense. But we're also the United States of freaking America. You don't think that we probably haven't done it or are dude, doing I, it? I would not put a or... fucking thing past the U.S. government, dude. <laughs> And there was yeah. a, there was the uh, there's like that theory or idea of the thing called rods of gods or mm-hmm. rods, rods of God, God, where there's like the U.S. put. Okay, it was thought about. It was in a Call of Duty <laughs> game. It exists. Like, 
Yeah, gotta be, dude. Gotta I be. Promise you, it exists. You can like take it to the bank, take it to the South Korean bank when they're giving you your cash in 2013. I promise you that there. Uh, life. There's, there's that. Right? That's a thing because one, it wouldn't be nuclear, so mm-hmm. it'd be harder to detect. It could just look energy. like a could just look like a normal satellite in space and you could put oh, a lot asteroid. of them up there yeah you're literally just launching giant tungsten rods at space has the destruction of a nuke no fallout no fallout and you can pinpoint oh, it yeah. you oh. can drop it anywhere you want you just drop it and let gravity do the work it's eco-friendly for the uh, liberals yeah totally yeah <laughs> totally <laughs> that's a Love pretty it. cool fucking idea i'm not gonna lie it's not an idea. It's a thing. Oh, okay. It exists. I take that back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the thing. No, like, um, one of the things I always wonder about is just ha- the Chinese economy obviously is falling apart. They're fucking pulling chips out of fucking PlayStation 5s and Xboxes and shit. Like, <laughs> But the narrative essentially is that the Chinese are just have surpassed us technologically. And I'm sure that they have in some ways just being being real. But for you, Joaquin, like how much time you spend reading about about this? How much do you really think the Chinese are um, ahead in technology? And if so, like what areas specifically do you think? They're ahead of us in EVs. Okay. But that's only because they mean, did oh, a EV, national like electric effort. vehicles? Yeah, electric, oh, okay. electric vehicles. Okay. And <laughs> the only reason why is because, you know, do they have all the Dave mines? Did a massive. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, it's really it's really fascinating that they chose this. They chose that to um, to put in all their effort, mm-hmm. and I understand. I, I understand the reasons why, but they've essentially put in all their effort to build out a supply system to support the. EV version of our uh, automotive in- uh, revolution here in the United States, mm-hmm. the 1930s through 1950s, but it was more concentrated. Mm-hmm. And so now you see a lot of those uh, car and, uh, car manufacturers expanding in Latin America, Brazil, in Europe, Hungary, in which now you have people wonder, uh, now you have people panicking, especially in Europe, worrying that they're going to start dumping. Mm-hmm. Cheap Chinese EVs here or there, mm-hmm. which they're going to do it. There's, they can't stop it, but there's they can't stop it, but it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think another another one will be the green energy because again they've mobilized whatever's left of their economy to go into that, and again it's because to gain influence this type of mm-hmm. EVs because mm-hmm. it's eco friendly. Right. Um, Meanwhile, burning just ignore coal. the fact. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think another one will be the hypersonic missiles. Okay. They've yeah. actually beat us on, beat us and the Russians on actually having a legitimate hypersonic missile capability. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that I. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say that it. it... Uh, yeah, that that definitely. I remember um, what are they, like maybe twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one. The Chinese launched one that circumnavigated the world and came back and and hit a target. It said 
Um, though the U.S. Intel community said it wasn't very accurate, didn't actually hit the target they were intending on on hitting. But um, how close you got to be? Yeah, I also think hypersonic nukes is kind of a dumb idea, and I, I can explain that too. But um, I mean, like the glide vehicles themselves are hypersonic anyway on their way in. But um, no, more like the obviously the Dongfeng, like seventeen and twenty one, those are hypersonic anti aircraft. Uh, carrier missiles and stuff like that but um the united states does seem to be catching up a little bit do you do you come upon that in in your research as well like the aero program and some of these um these other like surface to air things obviously we have like air to air capability too but no I, i think they are and i think it's because the united states understands that this is a major gap we need to fill mm-hmm yeah. Now, does that mean that it's going to ultimately work? Maybe, hopefully. Mm-hmm. So it's time will tell. But at least we're in this in the right direction mm-hmm. to actually improving upon it. Yeah, I have seen some pretty promising stuff. And uh, when we had Marcus uh, Freitas on a while back, he was talking about it too. And um, United States, I guess, is having quite a bit more success than we used to. And it's one of these things that, um, and I, I hate bringing them up for certain reasons, but um, Alex Hollings is a sandbox page. One of the things he made a point one, t- one time talking about was um, the Chinese essentially won the newspaper race about hypersonics because they're the first to yield it. And it looks good in the papers, but essentially the effectiveness, efficiency and type and the multiple types of hypersonics, the United States absolutely is on pace to eventually take over that. And it will be, Again, not even really close. Um, but then again, who who knows? But one can one can hope, I guess. So, but I want to elaborate mm-hmm. real quick on why I think hypersonic nukes are dumb. Because yeah, why does it why does it fucking matter if you have a nuke coming at me that's hypersonic when all mine are in the air anyway? We're all fucking vapor in in five minutes anyway. You know what I mean? So like, if your nuke makes it to Nebraska two and a half minutes before mine makes it to Beijing or fucking Minsk. Like we're all dead anyway, dog. Like it, it just, it, feel, it feels like a waste of money to invest in something. Um, like if I was going to build hypersonic missiles, that would be the last hypersonic missile I would make is one that's nuclear capable. I guess, mm-hmm. I guess my thought process behind it is if they're sending all their nukes, yeah. Why would they even be like hypersonic? But if like, Russia's talked about using like strategic nukes, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd be willing to bet like China's thinking the same thing. The U.S. says, "Oh, we won't use them as like an offensive tool. We'll only use them as like last resort, whatever." Mm-hmm. We either do, we do, we don't. Is doesn't matter. But like, what I was getting at is, isn't there? Isn't China toying with the idea of having hypersonic nukes because they could? get a missile to an aircraft carrier strike group, eliminate the whole thing before the strike group even knew it was coming. And so that's where it's like, uh, it, I'm not, I'm not thinking they would shoot them at like the U S per se. They would one or two. You just lost two carrier strike groups. What, what's next, bruh? Like, but I think the U S would be like, Oh, you want to know what's next? 200 nukes but like there's the I, I, I think we'd catch i think we'd be able to catch that shit in the fucking air before that happened but yeah that is that is definitely the yeah. thought process yeah i mean 
the thing about China using hypersonics our missile to defense destroy, system though isn't like only fifty percent accurate currently, or like it's just publicly known. Like our ability, to, our ability to intercept like an, like another missile. Like a nuclear... Are you talking about like mar- maritime missile defense? Or are you talking about like the yeah. United States' version of the Iron Dome? The maritime one. It's like where we oh, could actually sin- hit a missile. Sin- on a sin- sin- know better about that than me, that's for sure. I, I, I remember think... seeing recently it's like 50%. I know the one around the United States is like 95 or like eight, like it's high. Like something yeah. could still get through. It's, it's crazy. Have... Yeah, yeah. But the yeah. – uh, I'm pretty sure like maritime, it's like 50%. Like it's not what, what, as... what do you think? good as we thought I th- i'll see if i go i think regarding that it would be it would be around that around that number because you have to understand is you know it takes a lot of the things to target a moving aircraft or yeah, yeah. a moving moving target mm-hmm. and it works both ways if you're moving in conjunction with the target as well. Uh But then not only that, but you also have to understand is that China would use hypersonics, just conventional hypersonics Uh to target aircraft carriers. They won't. That's the the reason why they've developed the ballistic missiles. Uh They just figured, you know, attach some hypersonics, make it hypersonic so that they can make it harder and make it harder to hit. The Center for Arms Control and Non-Proliferation uh, says that uh, the, yeah, the, the maritime system is effective about 55% of the time, and the land base is effective at least 90% of the time. A lot more factors at sea, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, how much how much read into it, are you on some of these upgrades that like the, the Navy's getting for like their Zumwalt Zoom, class and... Um, some of the other radar things that the Navy's trying to update to be able to compete with these. By the way, real quick, that fifty-five percent is 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 if the U.S. shoots three interceptors per warhead. Oh shit! Okay. So they have to send three per to have a fifty-five percent of stopping it. It's a lot of money. Yeah, right. It's a lot of things in the air. Yeah. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that's kind of. It's like accuracy, accuracy by volume. Yeah. Accuracy by volume. Yeah. Just the rocks. <laughs> right. Just what everything. about the what about the the upgrades though? Like how much do you have you really like, read in any of that? Like to speak on it or I haven't really read anything about the Zimwalt because from my perspective, we're turning that one to like a essentially a magazine or a missile ship mm-hmm. because the shells are just too expensive to launch essentially. Yeah. But the radars, from what I understand, is that they're trying to make it, they're trying to enhance um, the, they're trying to enhance the radar's ability to not only locate, but to process the data Mm -hmm. for target, for use in targeting. Mm -hmm. And so whenever you do that one, you have to look at like, is other systems can they do that and so yes they're uh, they're first uh, upgrading the radars mm-hmm. the the, the AGIS radar mm-hmm. that's more likely going to be the first step and them actually increasing you know improving upon the missile system maybe mm-hmm. developing a new missile system maybe developing a laser 
missile, uh, a laser, a laser system to destroy the missiles that they come in. So Dude. realistically, the radars would be Space the first lasers. Step. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The that um directed energy weapon that the Navy was uh, developing not that long ago. Do you know like how much of that is is a uh, part of the defense plan? Do you know? Not to, I don't really know about that one, and I think it's hmm. because they've. I I know that it's installed on the on some aircraft or some uh, on some vessels, but right. I think that's more along the lines of point defense against ships and hmm, okay certain munitions like vessel to vessel kind this, of thing. Yeah, or more like, uh, yeah, vessel to vessel. But, you know, the new systems that are coming out now, especially what the British show they can do, Mm. those will actually be bought online to actually take out higher-end munitions, like um, drones and also slow-moving cruise muscles. What exactly is this? the British system? I forgot what it was. It's um, only seen a passing. I only got a passing glance on it, but it was used to take out. Okay, I know it was used to uh, take out a lot of the Houthi missiles that they were launching, and I was really impressed. Got you. Yeah, no, usually okay. was... that would make sense. The Dragonfire laser is that one uh, we we're talking about here. I think so. That UK it sounds yeah. This is on the UK's government website. It says, uh, during a trial, mods, Hebrides, range, dragon fire laser, directed energy weapon system achieved UK's first high power firing of a laser weapon against aerial targets. The range of dragon fire is classified, but its line of sight weapon can engage with any visible target. Okay. This is pretty sick looking, dude. Well, yeah. Zach, you want to. You're more advanced than me <laughs> at putting shit up on screen. You want to find it for us real fast, bro? Yeah, what was what's it called again? The Dragon it Fire is, what? It, yeah, dra- Dragon Fire LDEW, Laser Directed Energy Weapon. Dragon Fire. I'm surprised the British didn't use something like Draken, you know, just to be, throw back some medieval roots, you know? Cheerio. Right. It says He's it has to nice, be in huh? view. I wonder if, like, clouds messed that up. That's a good question. This is a cost of operating a laser is typically less than 10 pounds per shot. That's fucking, that's awesome. (laughs) It's cost efficient and deadly. (laughs) Exactly. It's eco-friendly. And I, like, (laughs) right. You know, I, and I misspoke earlier. I thought it was actually in use to take out some drones, some Houthi drones. Apparently it was just a test, but I thought, I thought it was actually used. I'm kind of disappointed now. I'm going to see if I can find that real quick because I could have sworn I read that too. Uh, let's see. I have a picture out who they the... say it could be used against pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they want to put them on boats. <laughs> let's see here. Yeah, everything I'm finding like off the top of my fucking head or, or here on Google immediately is that uh, there is something here from the 19th. Joaquin, it says, in first... UK downs aerial drone with test shot, but it says that this was uh, carried out in northern UK. It says, um, 
I don't see anything about like Yemen or Houthi rebels, but this one says right here in January, 2024, us, UK used warship submarine launch, Tomahawk missiles and fire jets, take out Houthi missiles. Yeah. The article doesn't mention the, the directed energy weapon. Unfortunately, this, that'd be pretty their, cool. Uh, this is it the thing have. the British released of like their idea of like what it could do. You could put it on like a boat and it could take down the missile thing in the background. It could take down the plane, the drone, the boat. I wonder boats. what Admiral Nelson would think about lasers on British warships. You know what I mean? He'll probably be okay with it. <laughs> He'd be, yeah, dude. Like, fucking shit his pants. I still right? wonder though like, if it's like, uh, like if you have to, like, because it, it, like everything said that I was reading real quick that it has to be like actually in view. So I'm worrying if like something as simple as cloud cover just stops that, or um, that'd be pretty problematic at sea. Yeah, or like mist or fog, mm-hmm. like because mm-hmm. I, I know lasers. Pretty strong lasers don't care what's in the way. Like they they go through pretty much anything. But like I'm assuming he's yeah. really really strong, and I, I'm willing to bet that some type of magnification power if it's like a little off it doesn't do enough and it's like not worth it so like well, that's where i'm getting at like if it's going through mist can it generate enough power to still be something to like ignite or mess it up well, or here's the thing too right is whatever is shooting that laser can move but the laser itself isn't moving you know what i mean yeah. like you don't have a heat sensor laser you know yeah or, or and using I know fucking most- infrared like laser weapons have, it's not like it just a just and it's done. It's like has to mm-hmm. hit one spot for mm-hmm. a little bit. Like oh, I don't know if it's like yeah. seconds or minutes, but it's got to hit something for a little while to yeah. cause the the heat. Yeah. So that the line of sight thing is, it makes more sense when you consider like you're not fucking slinging lasers and they're curving yeah. around and it's not you know. it's not star wars where it's like an actual yeah, now like the laser the thing, maybe flying. I, <laughs> right well i mean if if it's like one continuous stream right like moving in the air following something like yeah like back and forth like now that's pretty wild yeah when you think about what you could fuck up doing that but i don't right. know dude, people a lot smarter than me are figuring that shit out that's for damn sure during World War II, the Navy was teaching dolphins to find mines. Today, true. We, can, we can put dolphins. some freaking lasers on dolphin heads, not shark heads. Send them to... Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Evil is just I wrong was... about the aquatic animal. Yeah. That's it. Right? It's like, <laughs> like manatees instead of sharks. Manatees. Like, <laughs> like, why? Right? Put How ironic, orcas. dude. Dude, it would the be. wolves of the sea. So I was going to ask you, uh, Seno, these rumors about Xi Jinping and cancer. And then also, I until you, man, I didn't even see this whole thing about him potentially being shot in the Politburo. What? How much truth is there to that in 2022? This is 2022, apparently. So shot? Supposedly. Yeah, the the, the rumor was that I'll, 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 I'll talk about the uh, shooting first and then the cancer. rumor was that you know <laughs> xi jinping was shot during a polo bureau, bureau uh, meeting uh, in september 2022 by i don't know who um mm. i guess by the scunnelled party member pla member gotta be um did it was a that happened a coup, apparently i don't think it was i don't think it happened a lot of people so. you know 
No. I, it's one of those things in which if that would have happened, we would have – there would have been signs. It would have been too big for even Xi to cover up, even for China to mm-hmm. cover up. We would have seen actual, like, stuff in motion at right. that time. Mm. Now, regarding – and it was just rumor, and that was because someone overheard someone in Vietnam that says, oh, well, I mean, this is what happened. Yeah. Did it happen? Really? Maybe, possibly, but this is what happened. Mm-hmm. Now, the other one about him having cancer, I don't see that as being true because, one, they get they get pretty good health care coverage. He gets pretty good health care. I mean, he goes through... He probably gets the best health care in China. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. He he, he is... I he most China. definitely is being... <laughs> right? Fix me. Mm-hmm. But he's one of those people... I mean, he's he's part of the... Plur- I mean, he's the leader of China. They, and they've... conduct a lot of tests weekly on to assess our health because mm-hmm. uh, not only him, but other people within the political and the standing committee, because they understand that they need to be alive. They need to be, mm-hmm. to be amongst the living to do that. Well, I guess, then, I guess the know, pictures though are showing that he's lost a lot of weight recently. Maybe he's just coming back yeah. on carbs, dude. It's possibly, I mean, cancer. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't strike me as someone who has cancer because you know I don't know if you've ever seen someone with cancer, mm-hmm. especially as something, especially as one as aggressive as pancreatic cancer. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really strike me as someone who has it because they're very sickly. They don't really look lively. I mean, I yeah. think it's just, it just to me. I think it was just someone spreading rumors. And even then, like the yeah. rumor came from a nurse who mm-hmm. was at the 301 hospital, the PLA's 301 hospital. And I'm just thinking, why is she being seen at that hospital? Because it's German like the, High has his own hospital. Yeah. Oh, okay. it's, it's like the rumors that always circulate with like, like Putin. They're like, Putin? he's dying. Yeah. They're like, he keeps. He self-defecates, like all this crazy, like all this well, that, crazy, like stuff, whatever. Yeah. But like, there was quite he, a bit of that after they invaded Ukraine, like right yeah. at the beginning. Yeah, but it's because he's dying. It's because he's dying. You just like if you watch the Tucker Carlson interview, mm-hmm. he looks perfectly fine and healthy. Like he could have maybe some underlying like issue. Dude, the guy ranted but, for thirty minutes about Russian history, bro. He's fine. Yeah, God he's be. good. Like, yeah. He's good. Like, <laughs> maybe, he might have a cold every once in a while. Or right. like a like a hangnail, but I'm pretty yeah. sure he's fine. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, but I I agree. It's one of those things in which it's a rumor. Both are rumors. Mm. Um, the first one about him being shot is very. It was funny. So we okay. uh, they made a meme out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also goes to show like Chinese people will make up these rumors. Is it, that, is it wishful thinking? Not so much wishful thinking as the fact that they themselves don't know what's going on with the leaders. Like they, mm. they have no clue. I was going to say, so does China, oh, yeah, China like as a like a whole even get these rumors? Like I know it was a nurse at a hospital, she could That's start it, but does it even like they, get to the rest of China? It does. 
Um, okay. We'd be surprised how fast rumors spread through China. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the censors try their best at canceling it or uh, deleting them, but you know, they're China finds a way. Chinese citizens yeah. have became very adept at finding alternative ways to to access information. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as allies in China go, uh, what are their biggest allies in the region? Um, and when I say biggest, I mean the most effective at aiding China should something between them and the United States happen. I don't think North Korea. No, <laughs> I, totally. Bro. I don't think <laughs> right to be like, come help us with your SU 23s. All three um, of them. Right? <laughs> all six, yeah. all six T 34 85s. Yeah. Um, <laughs> PS5 heads. Um, <laughs> Probably right, flown just, with like a uh, lodge. Like they don't even have like working. Uh, uh, no, dude, it's like, a GameCube control controller. Sit- That's where the fucking dude for the Titanic thing got the idea, dude. <laughs> no, it's like a, it's like a Logitech yeah. like joystick. <laughs> that, like doesn't even like <laughs> Amazon special twelve ninety nine. I got it off Temu. It's not here. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so bad yeah god it, it would be funnier All their contr- like some of their planes true. are inverted and they don't know which ones they get in and they go to pull up and they just go right in the ground <laughs> it's like one of those old pac-man games from pizza hut back in the day you know what i mean it's just like mm-hmm. the rollerball and you just mm-hmm. like shh, shh, shh. yeah perfect so funny <laughs> it would be would but be surprised it's, it's that little red knob that's like on some laptop like keyboards that controls the mouse in between yeah. like the N and like the, oh, the yeah. H. It's mm-hmm. what it is. <laughs> I I don't think North Korea would actually intervene. No. Yeah. They would sit no, down and <laughs> they'll, they'll, yeah, they'll sit it down. I mean like with China they would be more concerned with what Russia would be doing. Mm-hmm. At least figuring out how they can return to favor regarding their assistance to them. Mm-hmm. Would they ask for like military assistance, such as you know personnel or equipment? I doubt that. Just because of the fact that China has a lot of equipment already made and in storage, and unlike Russia, they actually do maintain it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Pakistan. Okay, they'd be effective. Mm, they would probably be coerced into doing like movements to make sure India doesn't. This was yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the other sides, relatively Do you think secure. If something happens mm-hmm. between us and China, like Taiwan specifically, that India would would get in bed with the United States. It's very interesting because with India, they've actually came out and said that the military would do a study. This was in January, or not January, but June of 2023, June or August of 2023. Mm-hmm. And they said, we're going we're gonna to do a study and study the various ways in which we can help both Taiwan and the United States in an mm-hmm. event of, China, of a Chinese invasion. Mm-hmm. India's gonna India's gonna yeah. pull a Italy from like World War Two. 
They're going to be from China to the U.S. or flip from U.S. to China. Whoever's winning at the end is who they flip to. <laughs> like it's a... I, they got a lot of fucking people in India. That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I, 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 I could no. see them. I could see them being like not, not so much like pro China, but I could see them not being pro U.S. at first. Like they're very like just there, and then depending on which way it flips or which way it's going is the one they get in bed with. That's what I would see India doing. I think especially if Pakistan got in, you India would immediately be looking at the U.S. for sure. Yeah. In a I friendly think, way. I can see that. I, I don't think the United States would be willing to – or I don't think India would be willing to side with China. It would depend mm-hmm. upon a lot of circumstances because you have to remember mm-hmm. India and China doesn't it would have, each other. It would have to be – like China's winning and about to be like the like global leader, like undoubtedly. That's the only way India would be like, okay. And they wouldn't, they would just tolerate, like it wouldn't be like, uh, like allies. It'd be like, a yeah. Hey, well, well I'm uh, glad you said that we because we nuke you today. Mo- what's his, <laughs> his name is Mo- Modi, right? Modi, the prime minister or whatever of, of India. He's very much mm-hmm. wants India to be recognized as a global leader in any mm-hmm. way, shape, or form, and takes the Indian nationalism honestly to that degree. Where I agree with you, Zach, that he doesn't want to be a vassal state essentially of China and wouldn't let that happen. And I yeah. don't think they would let that happen with the United States either. But I think mm-hmm. that is best in their best interest, especially as far as like shipping lanes go around around India and Sri Lanka. That it would be the best to have the U.S. Navy essentially help guaranteeing some of that than rather kowtow to, to China and then lose mm-hmm. access to some of those shipping lanes because mm-hmm. that's some of the busiest waters uh, in, in the world. I mean, you got to think of where that leads to. I mean, you're, you go that way and you're going up through the Red Sea, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. or, or hitting the, the east coast of Africa or whatever, you know. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of different different factors but i i do i think that india would side with um the united states, the united states. what other like specific indo-pacific countries do you think um like which one specifically would be the the most beneficial to to the chinese i don't think there would be many countries siding with china with china and i don't think mm. china will yeah. want that because they have okay. a very dim view on allies. Like, I feel okay. like it interferes um, with their, uh, with just like their idea of China. Like for them, not to so much. Be, that... Like, uh, I, I guess you, you'll, you'll counter yeah. yes. But like, what do I, what I was going to say is like, China's real big on like we are the civilization, we are the original, we are. So them getting oh, yeah. help from anyone else. It's kind of like, well, you couldn't do it on your own. Are you really that great? And I wonder if like that would eat at them, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. like no, they, it does. They have to and do it, it themselves. Like they can't have someone else helping them. That kind of goes into that's one level of it. Um, they would view any help, especially with Taiwan, as people pointing out saying, "Oh, well, you needed help to." Yeah, you couldn't get the job Unified the motherland. How great are you, really? Exactly. And then not only that, but you have to understand is that they have a rather 
negative view on alliances because mm-hmm. the only true uh, ally, and I don't know if I mentioned this on the last time I was here, is North Korea. And and it's not really that. <laughs> it's a... <laughs> It's, it's, it's yeah, more, no, no, it, it's it's more like a them just keeping them in check for the sake of themselves. It's not a if North Korea was get invaded by South Korean steamrolled, China would I think like have a hard like do we do this again? Like that's a I, I don't see China taking the plunge honestly. I just don't see yeah, it. I, I don't either because there's they don't have an incentive to do that because no, they hate they they that, did back then they don't today so it's like uh, yeah totally different yeah mm-hmm. well more more of like what I'm thinking about and maybe not necessarily like um like bodies right but strategic placement around the Pacific you know um. Palau, Micronesia, like these are places like Midway, you know, like these are places the United States uses advantageously. What places, you know, does China have enough favor in as far as like advanced placement of Chinese assets that, um, you know, are the most beneficial to them? Or do they they have as many as the United States or are they gaining ground? Like that kind of thing is what I'm thinking of, like strategic movement. At the moment, they don't have any. And that kind of segues into... Uh, well, I was going to talk about the the COFA mm-hmm. states because I know okay. I've made um, I made one post, and, but then also wrote up several articles that highlight this. Mm-hmm. Um, one, they understand that the South Pacific, you know, Oceania, is very important mm-hmm. to the United States' ability to project power. Definitely, they understand this. They know this. So, for them, it's to not so much as control. They would like to control it, but realistically, they understand that will overstretch them, like what happened to Japan. So that's the reason why they would rather deny us the ability to do so. So that's the reason why mm-hmm. you see them with trying to make a security agreement with the Solomon Islands, mm-hmm. in which you know everyone, whenever that occurred in 2022, I believe that kind yeah. of made everyone like, "Oh crap, really? Oh no." But everyone understood the significance of a some of a of a potentially hostile power in that area, specifically mm-hmm. the Solomon Islands, mm-hmm. and and so they understand that. So that's the reason why Australia and New Zealand went there and asked them point blank: Is this little security agreement a prelude to getting? having troops on the ground, uh-huh. Chinese troops on the ground. Now, the Solomon Islands leader said no a lot, but a lot of the stuff that came out subsequently was kind of points to them potentially lying that, uh-huh. you know, China actually did have that. The, there were some agreements in there or some um, verbiage in that agreement that allows China to, didn't the Chinese open troops? one of those, one of those, uh, at least one of those um, Chinese police stations there in the Solomon Islands as well? And they were training Solomon. I'm not sure what uh, Solomonese, if it's Solomonese or what they call themselves, but training them on police tactics and shit. No, they didn't. They didn't open one up. They okay. 
it's more along the lines of integrating with the Australians, I believe, and New Zealanders. Okay. okay. So it's so it's along those lines. Um, but they have done training with the Royal Australian uh, Royal uh, Solomon Islands Police Force. Okay, that's maybe what I was and, thinking. Uh, of. Yeah, and then not only that, but then you see in the Kofor states where you know the United States Congress inability to actually pass the renewal for the Kofa. Mm-hmm. Can you expand on that a little, little bit for the, the layman listening who may not understand what that means? Yeah. So for the COFA, it's the compact of free association, essentially back in the eighties during Reagan, during, during the Reagan administration, mm-hmm. uh, the United States allowed Palau, Micronesia, Federated States of Micronesia, and also the Marshall Islands to mm-hmm. vote whether or not they want to be vote upon the future, whether it be they want to be a U.S. state, a U.S. territory, Commonwealth, or a COFA. All three chose the COFA ground. Mm-hmm. And so what that meant was that the United States will provide you with economic assistance. Um, we essentially we cover their budget um, every year, okay. or, or a significant portion of their budget. Um, and in return for that, we get a lot. We get exclusive rights to exclusive military rights to build and maintain infrastructure on Palau and all those three islands or all those right. three countries. Now, um, so that enabled us to create the Kualagai, uh Atoll mm-hmm. in in the um, Marshall Islands, I believe. Not only that, but then Palau allows us to build radar. They're, they're allowing us to build a new radar site to okay. track um, threats over, uh, over a horizon radar. Not only that, but they're going to be they're going to allow us to potentially station a pack three battery there to protect the okay. to protect the battery uh, to protect the radar. Mm-hmm. And so the Kofa, but the, with but the Kofa has been re- has been running into issues with the with the Congress passing it because mm-hmm. right now that's that's all that's preventing it, mm-hmm. and it's realistically due to the Republicans wanting anything to do with foreign policy decisions. Mm. If we're giving money to a way to a person, to a foreign power, that's Mm -hmm. what these are. That's what they are. Yeah. They need to have a corresponding um, security measure for the border. In which I find funny that the Republicans say that because, you know, essentially like in the post that I made, um, that I, that I made last, last night, I believe the president of Palau and the, and the president of the, of the Marshall Islands highlighted the fact that because of this agreement, you are, you border, you the United States border extends into the Western Pacific, right? We, if they would ask, if to give to give you to give the listeners a more of a 
solid understanding of where these islands are located. If Palau, if these three islands were to have chosen statehood or territory, like Guam, like like Guam or Puerto Rico or Hawaii, our back, our uh, border, international border, would be close, if not against the Philippines. In the case of Palau. Okay. And so for us to drag our heels and actually passing it allows China to go in and try to increase its influence through mm-hmm. its influence operations okay. um, through people who don't want us there for whatever reason or, or people who are took bribes from Chinese nationals in the mm-hmm. case of the Marshall Islands. Right. And so... Realistically, what that happened, realistically, if we were to lose those islands in the event of a conflict with China over Taiwan or just, you know, two big boys on the block have to do mm-hmm. it out sometime, we would literally have to go in and redo a lot of those campaigns we fought in during World War II. Right. Because yeah. China, that's 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 one of the things that China doesn't uh, would like to do. They would like to occupy those, uh, uh, like to build sites. As a matter of fact, they've actually tried to uh, part of the uh, agreement that the the failed agreement they tried to sign with the ten with the ten uh, with the ten southeast uh, not southeast but South Pacific island nations. Mm-hmm. They. A part of that agreement, they gave them a list of locations where they will want to build a facility at, whether it be an airbase or a naval station. Well, those sites were essentially copy and pasted from old World War II U.S. allied locations that were used in World War II during the Pacific uh, Theater. So they understand the strategic, um, the the strategic importance of those islands. Mm-hmm. Now, would they would they want to do that? Of course, they would love to do that. But would they would rather? But you know, when you measure it up against realistic expectations, some of those islands, a lot of those island populations hate the Chinese because you know Chinese people are. They're very, they treat people, they don't treat the foreigners in the best way. Well, it's like the video that just came out of those uh, Chinese citizens in the UK and they told that dude playing the piano to stop. Do you remember, do you remember seeing that? Like they're in somebody else's country and like, oh, I'm Chinese. You can't touch me or you can't do this. You must stop because this is Chinese media filming behind you. Like, fuck off. This is the UK. But yeah. Does yeah. the Chinese even have the capability yeah. to hold those positions anyway, even if they wanted to, and deter the U.S. specifically? No, no, they don't. I mean, that's the reason why I say, like, that's the reason why I said that China okay. would like to have that capability, but they realistically would be okay with us having uh, us having to go in and prevent uh, prevent us from using them. Okay, got you. 
Uh, for everybody watching, mm-hmm. Zach, Zach is dipping out, but uh, Joaquin and I are going to continue the conversation uh, while we're here. So, um, yeah, no, the uh, as far as the um, strategic capabilities and stuff like that go, the United States and, and the Pacific, I, I do feel like the United States 100% maintains the advantage um, just purely because of our blue water Navy and the fact that the Chinese Navy for the most part is a, is sort of a coastal defense force. Is that be, would that be an accurate way of saying that? Yes. For them, for somewhat, okay. they don't really like to, they're able to project power, mm-hmm. but you have to understand what it takes for them to project that power. Okay. They would have to literally get a supply ship loaded up with as many provisions as it can, and it and, and that supply ship would have to sell with it. Mm-hmm. Now, are they able to have the same? Are they able to get resupplied at certain at most ports? Mm-hmm. Yes and no. Myanmar, okay. uh, Kuwait, Oman, of course, but mm-hmm. not on the same scale as we can. Because we, gotcha. the United States Navy can go into any port and we'll be certain to have the infrastructure within, within place within uh, in like 72 hours before that, or not 72 hours, but maybe like a week or like a couple of weeks before that, before the port visit for that ship to be resupplied. Okay. So essentially it's a it's a sustainability thing for the most part as far as, as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for them for the Chinese, they understand that they don't realistically have a blue water navy or at least on the same level as the United States. Do they want one? Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But realistically, they're building up ships. Yes, they're building up ships. They're building these ships up. My thing about that is, do they have enough people to man them and operate them? Not really. Because Got you. That, was, that was another thing that kind of uh, threw a monkey wrench into the, into the whole plan is the fact that they are now trying to institute a lot of these new high-flying, a lot of these new advanced weapon systems and ships mm-hmm. that require people who are not country pump bumpkins, if you will. Okay. Or they, they need people with educations hmm. more than a ninth, ninth or 10th grade level. So that's an actual problem then in China. Is it definitely the, the image that they project and the one that the West projects is definitely not that there's a lack of skill, I guess, in China. There's not a lack of skill. There's more. Well, there is a lack of skill. It's more along the lines of can they get, can they attract it? Okay. Can they, and and can they keep it? I mean, that was a lot of the major issues that go on with recruitment. Not only recruitment, but, you know, as you may know, um, staying in. Got, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's one thing to be able to recruit numbers. Mm-hmm. 
it's not some, but being able to keep them is another thing. And China's failing in both regards. Um, we've seen this in both the PLA announcements and them wanting uh, opening up recruitment standards, um, uh, opening up recruitment criteria. Um, now they're making a push to actually opening up the air, uh, aircraft born or aircraft carrier born jet fighter training to women, which previously was not oh, no open to. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so not only that, but they made an effort to make it to where um, the jet, those, uh, the same pipeline is open to people who I believe are older than the criteria itself, than the oh, actual, shit. than the current criteria. So that's interesting because the United States is having similar issues and doing similar things. <laughs> well, I mean, I would say this, and whenever people say this about the criteria and stuff like that, mm-hmm. the, the crisis, mm-hmm. it's fundamentally different than China's issue. It's fundamentally different than what the United States and the rest of the world is facing, mm-hmm. because one. It's a temporary crisis. Okay. Because you have to remember, we faced a crisis like this in the 70s, and we mm-hmm. not only survived it, the US military survived it, but it became the, it regained its strength in the 80s. Definitely. Now, that Reagan yeah. budget. So, exactly. Now, regarding China, you may not see that because one, mm. they don't know, or because one, they may not have enough people to man or with the skills necessary to man those vessels. Okay. They, they, it's, it's very much a, it's very much a, it's very much them trying to gain enough bodies to fill out those, uh, fill out those ships. Hmm. And it's so bad that, you know, they can't even have, they, they, they have trouble finding commanders for them. The, the more no. I learn about them, the more I realize the Chinese are just really bad at logistics. It's funny. Well, not so much as bad as logistics. They're still trying to learn how to conduct new age logistics. Now, if we're, mm-hmm. now if you're talking about Maoist era tactics and operating along the lines of a mm-hmm. old fashioned people's war, like what Mao wanted, they would have no problem with the logistics. Matter of fact, that's one that was yeah. one of their strongest suits. Mm-hmm. You kind you can kind of argue that it's not really now, at least in most most uh, subfields. Some mm-hmm. sub some fields you see them doing okay. Some fields they 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 know how to. They know how to do it. Yeah. But for the most part, they're still trying they're still trying to figure out like how to do logistics in the twenty first century. Mm-hmm. Or a Last time we well. Right. Last time we talked, one of the things we discussed was the lack of an NCO core in the Chinese military. And ironically, I did see um some other people talking about that and then the that the um state media in China also kind of addressed that and said that they are adopting or trying to adopt more of that Western style of military leadership. Is that something you think is even attainable for them with the sort of control the CCP has? No. And it's funny that, you know, it's, 
uh, a lot of those news agencies um, that reported on it, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, it sounded very familiar. <laughs> yeah, needless to say. Um, and the C and the Chinese and the PLA coming out and saying that, oh, we're going to reconstruct, you know, we're placing more of an emphasis on, you know, NCO core. It's, it's like right. you, this back in the mid mid 2010s. What more emphasis do you need? Yeah. Like, what are you filling at? And so this is another thing that I've, I've seen or I've witnessed is the fact that they're still trying to figure out going as this goes back to this answers your question about like they're trying to gain an NCO or what's the sorry NCO core and can mm-hmm. they? The reason why they've failed and they will continue to fail, even though they're trying to re-emphasize and re-engage on how to make one, mm-hmm. is the fact that the party has to be in absolute control. And, and yeah. I know I said this before during whenever I was on here. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the overwhelming issue. They don't want to export their NCO core to other countries. They don't care mm-hmm. for that. They know that's not the driving issue for this. They know mm-hmm. that to become a better military, they need an NCO core. That was mm-hmm. uh, further compounded by the losses they've seen in Ukraine when you have captains, colonels going down to the tactical level and leading men. Yeah. You don't ever see that. Exactly. And so one of the things about... Go ahead. I was going to ask, is there a lot of pay-for-play in the Chinese officer ranks? Not so much um, anymore. Okay. It still is because because no matter how much she tries to do or try to drive away corruption, the PLA, it still exists. It just became Mm. more transparent or people who are emboldened to him mm-hmm. or sycophants to him, mm-hmm. they're able to get away with it effectively. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was just going to say, it almost just seems like, you know, in his attempt to have ultimate control, Xi Jinping doesn't have as much control as he thinks he does, essentially. That's true. I mean, you kind of see that with the ongoing rocket force or hmm. the purge. I was going to ask you about that. I want to hear your your perspective because we've got the perspective from somebody else, but I kind of want to hear what your um, your thoughts on that as well are. I think regarding his, I think, I think regarding the purge, a lot of people are conflating it towards corruption, in which I don't think it's. Corruption totally explains it. Yeah. I just, there's, it doesn't explain it because if it was so, if, you know, the PLA, the rocket force was so corrupt, then why are only certain officers being targeted? Not only that, Uh but why, um, if you're going to target, uh, the, um, the test, the product testing, um, uh, uh, section of the PLA. Why haven't you went? Up, why hasn't she went after uh, Zhang Yusha? He's still okay. in power. He's still there, and he and 
and Lee actually, uh, former pre, uh, former uh, former defense minister Lee, replaced him. Mm-hmm. Essentially, he followed Lee followed him through the same and uh, the two and two previous positions. So why is he still around? Now, granted, the counter argument is that oh well, he because he has um, a lot of of combat experience. He's uh-huh. like one of a dozen, maybe PLA officers who have combat experience, who've seen combat, ex- who've seen combat. Okay, that doesn't really explain it because one, yes, combat experience is important, but uh-huh. he's seen combat during the. Sino-Vietnamese War. So okay. he can have... Yeah, it's one of those things in which it's kind of valid if you're trying to make a surface level argument. But when you dig deeper, is his combat experience really matter? Right. It's like and, trying to say the no, combat experience of a Vietnam vet matters as much as a, a vet from, you know, that was fighting in the mountains of Afghanistan. It's two different styles of warfare, you know, and on service levels, you can find parallels, but is just massive, massive differences for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so from my perspective, I don't think it's about corruption or so as a power struggle, because whenever you did see, but you had to remember who, the people who were first taken out uh-huh. or the first pe- the, for the first people who were purged they weren't okay. the defense ministry under lee they weren't under the joint logistics force or the strategic or the strategic support force it was under the P- it was under the rocket force in which the rocket force has always been known as the princeling the princeling corps uh-huh. because that's where the red princelings like she will go to serve out their time because uh-huh. they know realistically it will be a cakewalk. Yeah. There would, there would be the least likely service or a least likely service to actually see combat. Right. And all they would have to do it, you know, the thing, if it does happen is turn a key or flip yeah. a switch. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. And so for them, that's why you've seen a lot of concentrated um, power, but then also power bases originate mm-hmm. and congregate right there within there. And so that's the reason why she replaced not only the political commissar, but the commanding general of the PLA, uh, of the rocket mm-hmm. force with the, with a Navy, with a Navy general and a, and an army general. And people okay. forget that people forget that is these are not they didn't climb up the ranks of the PLA uh they didn't climb up the ranks in the second artillery corps, the rocket forces predecessor. Uh-huh. She actually got them from dip, two different branches and said you are now rocket force commanders or rocket for uh, rocket you now lead the rocket force and you're now the commissar of the rocket force. Uh-huh. And the reason why is because we look back at their history, at least whatever what's what's available on um, the Chinese internet, uh-huh. is that they knew Xi from Fujian province. Got you. Mm-hmm. So nepotism, and essentially. So I, not so much nepotism. It's more along the lines that she knows that he can trust them. 
Hmm, okay. To get the get the rocket force into fighting shape, or hmm. to be able to command the order, to be able to do the orders if given. Mm-hmm. So it'd be safe to say, essentially, that there was a loss of confidence in the former commander's ability to command. Should we? Should they actually go to war with the United States over Taiwan? I don't think it would be a loss of capability. More so, they more so she she just didn't trust them enough to mm-hmm. um, carry out the orders when gotcha. when necessary. Okay. Now you can kind you could it could be seen as a loss of confidence. Mm-hmm. I will it, you can you can view it as a loss of confidence, but you also have to understand the conf in in the context of. The rocket force was, again, kind of its own thing. Yeah, and Xi Jinping not only you know elevated it, but kind of, um, but um, put his cronies in charge or put people who mm. were emboldened to him in charge. Okay, and so in a weird way, going back to what you said earlier, that oh well, China, uh, oh well, China, um. She, you know, wants to control everything. It makes him lose. It makes him. He does. It makes him lose control. Right. That's. This is kind of an example of that because he tried to exert control over the PLA rocket force by getting someone who he thought he could trust hmm. into those positions of power. Now you kind of see it backfiring them spectacularly. One of the the last questions I want to ask you before we we, we wrap up is um, it's that old adage that like a cornered dog is the most dangerous, and mm-hmm. that um, all of the economic issues that the Chinese are having, the looming U.S. elections where seemingly a more competent person <laughs> uh, will will become the president of the United States potentially. Who knows? Um, do you think that China is running out of time to take advantage of trying to take over Taiwan? And if so, does that make them more dangerous and willing to throw caution to the wind to get it done? I don't think it will. Because you have to understand is that the overlying factor that Xi Jinping will likely judge whether or not they do a uh, whether or not they do an invasion, mm-hmm. is if the PLA is ready to do one. Now, okay. a lot of people have said that. Oh well, I mean, to, he said Xi Jinping said you know by twenty twenty seven to be ready for to take one yeah. out or mm-hmm. to be able to conduct one to conduct an invasion of Taiwan. That means two thousand two thousand twenty seven. No, it does not. It means the PLA should have the necessary capabilities to conduct one. Mm-hmm. However. It kind of goes back to what I believe you said that it is on the surface. It is they say something that you know the PLA is looks good or is able to do it on paint or on the surface, but when you get down to it, not right. so much. This is the same context. Okay, that the PLA is able to do the PLA will not be able to do an invasion by twenty twenty seven because of logistics. Yeah, they don't have enough. They don't have enough. They don't have the ability to generate enough amphibious lift hmm. capabilities to move the necessary the troops earmarked for the invasion. 
mm-hmm. let alone to maintain a constant supreme of re- a, a constant stream of reinforcements. Yeah, that's even if they try to include civilian Volon Volon off ships. They've actually um, the U.S. Naval Institute came out with two articles saying that hey, um, they're trying to look into open deck. Uh, how to utilize open deck shipping uh uh shipping oh, to wow. actually increase this number okay now um uh, will that work will that actually enable them to invade taiwan by 2027 no As a matter of fact they've actually pointed that out they made it very poignant in that in the two pieces uh in the two pieces they wrote that taiwan does not uh china does not have the amphibious lift capability to conduct mm. one until twenty twenty until twenty thirty or later. Okay, gives the U.S. quite a bit of time if we can pull our heads out of our asses for sure. Yeah, and it's one of those things that like, and that's if she and again it's it's going back to is the risk worth it? And I mm-hmm. think before we ever and and I think before we ever discuss that, I know you brought up the economy. China would have to, the Chinese economy would have to get way worse okay. before Xi Jinping actually asks himself, actually asks himself this question. Uh-huh. Can we invade Taiwan? Should we invade Taiwan? Does that mean, what does that mean? I think we would have to see a wholesale collapse, excuse me, uh-huh. a wholesale collapse of the economy and yeah. one of the health, one of the hell Mary graces or those that they would have to do is an invasion of Taiwan just yeah, to yeah. gain people's love back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drive, drive some sort of economic boom from the military aspect for sure. Um, one of the, the, this, I think I'll keep this to the last question and we can wrap up, but where do you think the United States has done the best at in sort of countering what China is trying to do in the Pacific? I think it would be our ability to understand our allies matter. Hmm. Now, granted, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things in which a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, the United States is making these missile systems, you know, the Marine Corps FD twenty thirty. That means nothing if mm-hmm. our allies, if we don't have our allies to be able to help out. Mm-hmm. In the case of Japan, yeah, I'll use Japan as a quick reference, and maybe I'll show you. But awesome, with, yeah, yeah. With uh, with Japan pivoting back to be an offensive capability and actually pivoting towards the. Uh, Southwest Islands, Okinawa. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That gives us a lot of capabilities that we would have never had unless Abai, um, for all his flaws, would have not deemed necessary and laying uh-huh. the groundwork for not only that to come out, but also the quad as well. Okay. And so, uh, so with so realistically. Those two aspects of Japanese um, defense planning are to are, are due to Abai. 
Mm. And that enables the Marine Corps, especially, to work in conjunction with the Japanese to destroy a lot of those Chinese transports, or at least mm-hmm. it complicate planning. Yeah. Now, on the flip side, with Australia, mm-hmm. Australia is, is is quickly becoming our dear friend in the Pacific, like the UK, because we understand that the United uh, because we understand that. Australia will become the bastion of the mm-hmm. bastion of democracy as it was in the World War II, but more so now, more so during a, during a conflict with China because mm-hmm. they able, we are going to be able to store so much stuff there and mm-hmm. be able to project power from there. Yeah, for us to be able to fight uh, to push to push back against China. Yeah. Do you do you feel, I've seen this a few times, um, but do you feel like there's any sort of loyalty issue um, with New Zealand? Yes, but not in a context on which I'm thinking. I'm thinking you're which I'm thinking you're I'm thinking of which I'm thinking th- yeah. yeah which I'm thinking you're thinking of. Yeah, Chinese influence were, specifically. Yeah, it's that does play a part in that, and we actually have found a lot of senior Kiwi politicians mm-hmm. having a little too close with CCP elements in New Zealand, but they themselves, but with New Zealand. Especially under the current uh, administration or the government, mm-hmm. they understand that they need to pick a side. Okay. And them dilly-dallying, for lack of a better term, and not being able to and paying the least amount in terms of defense budgets. Hmm. It's it's not even one percent of their GDP. Yeah. Is there, is there the like Zealand, yeah? Go ahead. Go ahead. Now I was going to say the New Zealand Defense Force. It's it's kind of sad, really. Yeah, it's like uh, what's it? I'm trying to remember who it was. Maybe it was like Otto von Bismarck made the the joke that if the British British army landed on mainland Europe, he'd send the police force and have them arrested because they're so small <laughs> that all you need was the police and not the might of the German army. Um. Yeah, but um, um, the the issue there, like with with New Zealand, like I, I do you think that they're close enough, essentially, with Australia that that any sort of worry about it wouldn't really is like kind of unfounded. I think right now it previously there was some mm-hmm. worry, especially mm-hmm. regarding some of the policies they made. Yeah, but now you kind of see them wanting to sign on to AUKUS Stage Two. Mm-hmm. Of course, not the nuclear components. Yeah, I but the yeah, and so you have that, and so I think that goes a long way in assuaging the concerns of not only New Zealand, uh, not only uh, Australia, but also the uh, the United States concern about mm-hmm. their alignment. Yeah, because realistically, they can't stay neutral. No doubt. Um, 
they're no, too they they're too geographically intertwined for to stay neutral for sure. Exactly. And a lot of people worried that New Zealand would go pivot towards China mm-hmm. at certain points. That'd be really odd. It would be. And it was mainly due to economic. Mm-hmm. But now you see the New Zealanders saying that we need to sign on to AUKUS because we need to actually come out and say that we need to prepare the defense force to fight against China. Mm-hmm. That's good. They know. never say that. Mm-hmm. They will never say that. Well, okay. But I think the un- now the underlying... they will. Got you. Okay. Yeah. Cool, man. Joaquin, dude, I really, really appreciate you coming on and talking to us again. It's always a pleasure. I know I really would like to get you and uh, David Zhang on together and um, let you guys kind of talk about some things. It would be pretty cool. Um, but uh, I want you to get, yeah, dude, pl- plug plug yourself, plug uh, plug Atlas so people know where to, where to find you at. Yeah, so you can find me on Atlas. Um, specifically, I write a ton of articles, at least one to two per day on Atlas for the, and not only about China, but regarding pretty much anything in, that has to do with the Indo Pacific. Um, I also am also on Instagram, which I do most of my stuff, but I'm also on Twitter mm-hmm. where I also do a lot of retweets and give out my thoughts, my random thoughts. Are you um, also have a on Discord. Uh, Twitter too? Yes, it's the same thing as my. Okay. Um, okay. It's the handle right now. Cinotalk okay. with parentheses Joaquin Camarena. Okay. Um, also have a Discord as well, in hmm. which if you. So you can join, in which that has a lot of people talking and everything like that, whether it be. Um, whether it be, you know, Vietnam, China, New Zealand. Anything under the sun. Okay. I'm going to hit that up. Not even playing. That's interested. Cool, man. No, honestly, man, I really appreciate you coming on. I know Zach does too, but he had to, he had to dip out real quick. Um, But the episode obviously drops here next Friday and I'm going to make sure to put your links and everything like that in the, uh, the show notes and uh, where, where people can, can find you and uh, all the great info you put out, man. But uh, genuinely appreciate you, you coming on and talking to us again. No, man, thank you for uh, having me on. And I know we've kind of went for a long time, actually, like two hours and 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, it's actually a little shorter than our last conversation. Our last one pushed over three hours. Really? Yeah, we were just having that, that good of a time, bro. That's what it was. I bet. Yeah, I remember that it was kind of uh, it was kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, dude, it's always good talking to you because you have such good information, which is why I like having you on. And uh, no, asking you, you just have a breadth of knowledge, which is, which is super cool. So, um, I think next time when I have you, you on, I'm going to preface the, um, episode and then try to see if anybody in the audience has questions as well and, and try to, um, hit those up and get some specific insights that people that are curious want to know as well too. So that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm more than happy to do that. Yeah. And, um, next time you yeah. have me on, I mean, you can, yeah, I mean that and like um 
have me on whenever if David Jang wants to ever agrees and wants to have me on or whenever he yeah. comes on, we could talk and stuff like that. That would be a pretty cool live on like Rumble. All of us on there like that. That would be pretty cool. I think. Yeah. But all right, brother. I appreciate you, man. And uh we'll get out of here and um hopefully everybody enjoys the info. I know I sure did, man. Yeah, I hope so too, my man. It was good coming back on and thanks for having me. Thanks thank you and Zach for having me. Absolutely, dude. All right, guys, we'll wrap this episode of I Came With Fire podcast up. You know where to find us on Rumble, Google Podcasts, uh, soon to be YouTube Music, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, and our RSS feed as well. So, all right, y'all, have a good night.